Hello and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail and today I'm actually not joined by my usual partner in crime, Brendan Morrison, uh, but rather we have two highly esteemed guests for you on the pod today. Uh, first, we have graphic designer, musician, and Toge R. Evangelist, Andrew L. Moore. Andrew, how's it going? <laughs> We're going to live that down, am I? No. That's your brand now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yes. Uh, and, worse. <laughs> and in addition to the Toge R. Evangelist, uh, Andrew, it's, it's my extreme pleasure to also welcome back Digital Foundry's own John Linneman, uh, the incomparable uh, back to the podcast. Uh, John Guten Morgan, how's it going? Oh, uh, well, thank you. Uh, it's wonderful to be back, of course. And can I say, I'm a big fan of the Toge series myself. I've been slowly building that Toge collection. I got some sealed copies of Toge as well, you know. Ooh, nice. uh, waiting to crack those open for a proper retrospective someday. Do the full Toge series. Announced right here. Please, if you can do like another three or four hour video on Toge, especially like that would, I think that I would just stop watching anything happen. else. Yeah. Yeah. When when Rich is asking you why that video only got three thousand views, just know that every single one of them was me. That's, well, see, that's how seen that feel. That's the beauty of doing Patreon is now that we have supporters, oh, yeah. I can actually justify doing a three hour video on Toge. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm paying for, man. Exactly. <laughs> It's my pet theory that that's like the the crazy castle of racing games because like it had so many different names, and I yeah. think like in Europe it started as like Road Rage Two, like they didn't even get the first so, one. So yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's Phoenix Games, which is something we've covered on DF multiple times in a comedic fashion. Phoenix is one of the worst publishers that ever existed. Just pure <laughs> garbage. Somehow they ended up publishing Toge games and they called it Nobody Road Rage Audi. 2 and Road Rage 3. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's it's bananas. <laughs> My favorite is uh, in the US it was called Peak Performance and there is <laughs> on the cover of uh, the PlayStation 1. Oh, the Saturn game? Well, oh, I, I'm thinking of the PlayStation one, but on the cover of it, there is like a Pikes Peak Hill Climb Chevy S10, and mm. it's like sponsored by the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, and it's driven by like a NASCAR driver. It, none of this has anything <laughs> to do with the game, so. No, exactly. I don't understand why they're they're marketing Toge that way. It's like, yeah, we got Fords and Chevys, and then you buy it, and you're like, wait. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it just... It was rampant with the genre back in the day, like uh, Barrett and Labonte Jared racing. Lebon. Jarrett and That's Labonte true. racing, yeah. They went nuts Barrett. with that. But I, I think the key here is that on this episode today that Andrew's going to walk us through here, we're going to talk oh, about how to get the best experience playing Toge and other racers from that generation <laughs> of systems, right? Yeah, so you're going to want to get yourself a soft-modded Xbox and a copy of Toge R. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm going to get myself thrown off this thing. Um, no, I think we just wanted to uh, go over some of the... I don't, I don't even know how to put this. I literally came in here with no preparation. Um, podcast listening audience, be aware it is 2 a.m. my time because we are all over the planet. We are worldwide. It's like um, Toge. It, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it'd be fun to do a... Uh, time extend episode just going over um, some ways to play some of these games and uh, on their um, sort of like more respective platforms um, that come up a lot uh, I think around around time extend and uh, 
Yeah, that's Sorry, the thing, right? You guys talk on Time Extend a lot about these classic racing games, Saturn, PlayStation 2, all these different eras. These are amazing games. Problem is, yeah. there's no easy way to access them on modern hardware, for the most part. So you, you're basically left to fend for yourselves and find out, all right, how can I actually enjoy these games today? There's ways to do it the old school way, of course, which is my preferred method, but there's other more modern things that can uh, greatly enhance the experience as well, which I think we should touch on. And Andrew, I don't know what do you think about this, but I say we we start with the oldest of these consoles that we're going to discuss and kind of work our way forward because each one has its own considerations. That's true. I have a lot to say about the Fairchild Channel F controller. Uh, there's okay, a lot wonderful. of potential there that I think we <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew, your contribution especially, I think you wanted to spend no less than 30 minutes on the JogCon, so we will do that. That um, feels uh, a bit conservative in terms of time restraint <laughs> there, but I'll see if I can fit it in. Are we going to get into a JogCon versus NejiCon discussion? Because I'm here I think for we it. just did. All right. I have both, thanks <laughs> to Andrew. So... Um, JogCon, awesome looking controller. I hate using it, but it is a brilliant <laughs> idea. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm more of a, I like it. I do like that one actually, but mm. the Nejicon is definitely the way to go, I feel, because it's just that precision you get from it. It just feels so natural in the hand. You're not overextending your thumbs or anything like that. It just feels amazing to use. And just that precision you get when going around turns, like I can't get over how brilliant that was. And for those listening that are like, what the heck are you talking about? It is essentially this controller from Namco. Like the, the Nejicon came first. It's a controller. If you look at it, it looks like there's a big wheel in the center and the controller split down the middle. And it's basically a rotating axis. So you can spin it, kind of twist the controller, you know, it's super weird so you're like twisting it so like the top and the bottom are split and they kind of go look up a go look up a photo you got to see it but it also has analog buttons so like the, the r and l button are full deep analog triggers yeah. then you've got the face buttons that are these super tall like yeah. caps that you press all the way in fully analog again it supported games like ridge racer it supported wipeout and i'm feeling like with this we should probably start with PlayStation 1. What do you guys think? Because I think the PS1 is a great starting point to discuss because as I did in a recent Ridge Racer retrospective, or actually the PlayStation launch retrospective, when Ridge Racer 1 came out on PlayStation in 1994, at launch in Japan, there was no racing game on a home console that looked, sounded, or played as smoothly as Ridge Racer. It was the first time we had something like that in the home, and it sort of started a full new generation of 3D racing action. Uh, and of course, it does support the Nejikon, which is great. Yes, it does. Yeah. And uh, there's like, with the PlayStation, you have so many different experiences there. Um, the first, like, modern, I guess, sort of refined sim racer that most people ever would have played, obviously, in Gran Turismo. So uh, it is a very good starting point. Um, this is a case where I'm just really going to defer to you guys because you you are the experts and I already learned so much from you all the time, so I'm excited to learn <laughs> even more. Um, I will, for what it's worth, share that my setup for playing PlayStation <laughs> 1 and 2 is I have one of those perfect PS3s that has full backwards mm. compatibility, <laughs> so that's that's typically what I go for in these situations. Yeah, I think yeah. that's actually a good start for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in that it just works. It's very easy to use. The video quality, especially from PlayStation 1 games, is perfectly acceptable. It's a nice beginning. And original fat PS3s are not that expensive. They're fairly easy to obtain. And if you're just playing backwards compatible games like that, it doesn't tend to strain the hardware too much. So you don't really have to worry about overheating, which is an issue with that. Uh, or actually the big problem with the original PS3s is that the RSX chip actually just dies, fails. So don't want to stress that too much. So stick with the, uh, backwards compatible games. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe we should start. So you, you use a PS3. Andrew, mm-hmm. what's your current setup for playing PlayStation 1 games? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> the unfortunate reality is it kind of depends on the mood. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I have everything um, in like a little side room downstairs hooked up to a uh, big old CRT and, you know, era appropriate surround sound and all that crap. Um, and then also most of that stuff is mirrored in our like actual living room on, you know, a LG OLED and modern stuff. Uh, so basically it's either going to be, um, just on real hardware over RGB, um, into a Trinitron or, uh, I've been playing a lot of PS1 and Saturn games on the Polymega lately. Yeah. Um, I think it's come a long way and it's been tremendously useful in a lot of very specific ways. Um, but also it's difficult to recommend because you're impossible to get a handle, uh, to Get your hands on. There we go. I can talk. Uh, yeah, they've been hit by supply chain stuff really bad, so they've got a very, very long wait list at this point. I feel yeah. like that's going to be the bugbear of a, of some of these methods, at least. That's just my my gut feeling. Because um, I know we'll get to a system later on where it's like, I want to get my hands on the hardware to make it to really get the most out of it, but it's tough, especially with the supply chain stuff nowadays. Yeah, and that... That also holds true for one of my recommendations, which we'll get to. But for me personally, my main PlayStation setup is in fact a CRT with an original PlayStation that's modded so I can play any region game on it. Just RGB to a Sony BVM uh, CRT monitor. And that's that's my way to do it. I I prefer that. But you mentioned the Polymega, which is of course that multi-console system. By default, it supports optical based games like PlayStation and Saturn and uh, it actually does an impressively good job at this point I would say yeah. if you could get one it's that actually is a pretty interesting option I think for people that just want to be able to play those original discs and just kind of jump into the action without too much of a hassle mm-hmm. but realistically the PS3 is probably an easier cheaper solution yeah, at this for sure. point uh, but there are two other options I want to recommend specifically okay. one of them is easy to get and one of them is a little more expensive, but I think worth it. On the expensive side, it is get a PlayStation, <laughs> get the DC Digital Mod from yeah. uh, those Black Dog, you know, Dan and and Kristoff originally, but now they're working with Pixel FX. But they do this amazing HDMI mod that I covered. Puts out just this pristine digital image, pixel perfect, tons of options, scan line options in there, just some amazing features like you wouldn't believe. It's the way to get the absolute best image quality from original PlayStation hardware. You can either just do that by itself or you can actually pair it with uh, an X station, which is an optical drive emulator, which allows you to basically slot an SD card into your PlayStation, have a huge menu full of all the games. You know, you can just have, you could even treat it like a cartridge system and have like an SD card with like racing games written on it. <laughs> just slap that bad boy in there and it's, you've got all the racing games. You got Toge on there, you got Toge Max, Toge Max 2. 
you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's it. Your bases are covered. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're good there. So that's actually a really good option if you want to use a modern display with a PlayStation. But obviously, again, supply chain issues, price, not that easy to get a hold of. And actually installing the the, the PS1 digital, you need a professional modder or like serious skills with modding yourself because it is a really difficult install. I can't do it myself. I can do caps, but I can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. I soldered like guitar equipment that's about as small as I can handle as soon as there's ribbon cables involved and stuff. I'm like, mm, nope, I'm going to yeah. pay Crystal Lee to take care of this because I, I can't do it. I finally yanked the clock capacitor out of my original Xbox, and that was Hallelujah. a big moment for me because oh, yeah. I don't open <laughs> or mess with things because I break everything. Um, so, I'm yeah. glad you did that. <laughs> All right. So the other suggestion I have for PlayStation 1, and this is actually probably the easiest and just the results are insane. Uh, it's Duck Station, right? Mm. It's PlayStation yeah. 1 emulator. D- with Duck Station, it has some very specific options that I really like. For one, obviously, you can use this PGXP. What is that? It's essentially uh, something that was designed to solve one of the PlayStation's biggest weaknesses, which is lack of subpixel precision and the affine texture swim you get from the way that they calculate, you know, uh, polygons so it completely eliminates texture warping you get completely stable images with this nice subpixel precision now which makes for a much smoother cleaner looking game but then you go further you can use a mode that allows you to downsample from like insanely high resolutions like 8k if you want but then it restores it to the original pixel resolution of the game itself which means now the 3d matches the same pixel size as the 2d artwork it looks very consistent but because the 3d's downsampled from such a high res it almost has this like ultra super sampled cg look to it you play something like rage racer on that thing in that mode with a widescreen hack and it's just your jaw will drop it looks like this like ultra turbo playstation that could never have existed yet still feels period appropriate in a way you have got to see it I've I've messed around with Duck Station, but I haven't used a downsampling. I'll I'll try that. I'll I'll have to show you the config for that and yeah. some shots as well. But that I think yeah, is the best do. way to see. That's the best way to visually enjoy a PlayStation One game these days. It's like mm-hmm. a free remaster. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I haven't used that in a while because I feel like um, most of the time I see people uh, talking about Duck Station in particular, uh, it's usually to do things like remove uh, dithering or uh, to like dramatically increase the internal rendering resolution. Um, both that, of those uh, things kind of throw off the whole like visual aesthetic for me. Yeah, Sorry, no, I, I understand. And that's, that's specifically why um, the downsampling is so important because you get those benefits, but because it preserves the pixel size it actually winds up still looking period appropriate yeah despite the massive internal boost in resolution and the color depth uh so i definitely recommend it as an option it's it's neat to see the emulator is very easy to use i actually tested it just literally popping in my actual ps1 discs into the to my pc's drive because i still have an optical drive in there drop it in there hit boot the game and it just goes works great that's wonderful. Yeah, and Rage Racer is a good child, especially because like that's a game where like the graininess to me is like really a part of the experience. Like it just oh, yeah. it just builds. It's, it's like specific kind of grit. Yeah, it just it's very important to that world. So like I wouldn't want to lose the dithering. I wouldn't want to lose any of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's that's pretty much PlayStation, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's Mr. Core and stuff, but like, oh I yeah, I guess that's deep. that's true. Uh, that's that's worth. I never mentioning. even put that on my Mister at this point because I just I have yeah. enough other ways to do that. Exactly. If you ha if if you don't have any of those other ways and you do have a Mister, actually, the PlayStation One Core on the Mister is also excellent. I can definitely attest to that. So I guess the point is with with PS One, there's a ton of options, right? Yeah. Like, it, it kind of only goes downhill from here in terms of ease, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you really want to be crazy, you can go back and get Bleem Gran Turismo 2 disc yeah. and play some GT2 on your Dreamcast. Yeah, my, my hot take is that is uh, that I think is like one of the best ways to play GT2. I actually love that. I know you're not as big a fan of it, John, right? No, and it's nothing... The, the emulator is amazing for the time, but right. it just... This is why I was talking about downsampling. It basically reveals all the flaws in the graphics when you do yes. it. Like yeah. when you're quadrupling the resolution and filtering the textures out. Like yeah. especially uh, texture seams and like polygon seams are everywhere, right? You just see through the world. Everything looks like it's warbling and falling apart. The low yeah. resolution of the original output kind of hides that to some extent. But when it's suddenly high res without any of those enhancements... Well, you get that. And stuff like PGXP and the features of Duck Station were, like, impossible at that during that era. Like, 100%. Yeah. There's no way that could have existed. Mm. When Bleemcast came out, PlayStation 1 emulation was still so early. And, you know, just having games running that well at all was, like, a feat. Especially on the Dreamcast, of all things. Yeah. And especially knowing, since I just did a whole interview piece with Randy Linden recently, yeah. how, like, it's he... Great. It'll be in the Bleem section, but, like, he wasn't, like, he didn't have source access to anything. He didn't have development managed for PlayStation. He didn't have any special hardware knowledge. This was him just poking and prodding at a PlayStation and, like, duplicating the behavior in code. Like, I can't even imagine, like, the way he did it, he was putting in games, running them, seeing where they would get hung up and where glitches would occur, and then basically you know, trying to debug that and figure out how that works. And that's how he figured out, okay, well, this feature is missing on my emulation. So how do I solve that? It's just absurd. Yeah, it's it's so <laughs> impressive and like just such a great product. Um, I having played through most of GT2 again through the Bleemcast disc a couple of years ago, and it was it was great. But I do think it's funny you bring up like you can, it exposes the flaws. For me, the big one was draw distance. Um, oh yeah which mm. like those like you know very uh pixelated to the backgrounds and stuff like that especially when you're at say laguna seca you're coming up towards the top of the corkscrew and the world just disappears <laughs> and you don't see that yeah. as much on playstation but it's very apparent on the dreamcast yeah, yeah. big time <laughs> yeah i wonder if it might be beneficial to do kind of a quick overview on like in terms of playing old games um i kind of mentally split it into sort of three categories um between software emulation and then old hardware and making old hardware work with modern Moss. hardware if that makes sense yeah um you know via upscalers and all that fun stuff uh do we want to give like a quick overview on that before we dive too much deeper or should we just keep on trucking we can do an overview just talk about yeah, yeah. You want me to do it? I can do it. Or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Do it. Whatever. <laughs> whatever you guys. Again, prefer. very, very we organized have... production we've got going on here. So with PlayStation One, kind of you know covered here, it we kind of touched on all the pillars of how you would play old games on modern hardware, right? So maybe let's quickly sort of break down those options and how it applies to everything because I think this is really important because there's really three tiers. There's 
if you want to play it on original hardware with the CRT, that's one of the key ways to do this. Then there's stuff like software emulation, which would apply to like using a PC emulator, something like the Polymega that we mentioned. That's its own sort of category, or even the Mister, I would say. And then lastly, there is the category of taking your original hardware and performing modifications on the hardware to enhance its capabilities specifically for modern displays because most of these platforms were designed to be played on older consumer CRT televisions, right? So making it look good on a big modern display is actually a huge challenge and that's what this kind of hardware can provide. Now, PlayStation is luckily with its uh, ubiquity, there are so many options for this, right? But that is not the case with some of the other platforms, I think. And that's where a lot of the problems crop up and where maybe this episode could be more useful for someone, right? So, for instance, Sega Saturn. Mm. I think we exactly. all love the Saturn here, right? This whole time. Yeah. Sat Saturn's an amazing machine, but <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to get into if you're not already into the world of Sega Saturn, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, um, not not to derail things uh, too much, but, like, you talk about, like, modern displays, and I find that, like, it's a constantly moving target, right? Like, I bought, like, a RetroTank 2X Pro, and I didn't really know uh, what I was... I, I knew enough what I was doing, but immediately after, I had, like, a 1080p, you know? So, obviously, mm -hmm. like, that's only going to get, at most, 480p out of that thing. I had hooked yeah. up to a Saturn. But, you know, at least it eliminates the lag, right? And it's it's fine. I didn't really... I couldn't spend that much more money. But then my brother, um, he had, like... He, he was moving. He needed a place to store his, like, 4K TV, which I was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. So, he, he gave me his 4K TV. But now I'm like, all right, well, now I don't want 4AP going into a 4K TV, right? <laughs> so, it's like, as resolutions increase, as everything gets better, your solutions also have to get better. And I just... It's really hard, right? <laughs> just to keep up with exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so, I guess before we dive into those options, maybe we should quickly run down why people would want to play Sega Saturn racing games still today, right? Mm. <laughs> like, what what are the racing games that stick out? I don't know, Andrew, is there anything that in, in your mind where you're like, man, this is why you got to play some racing games on Saturn? Yeah, this is not what I would... Uh, go to immediately as the like overall best racing game on the Saturn, but in terms of just being blown away by how good something feels, Wonga Dead Heat. Oh yeah, is so it's just impressive. Like, kinesthetically satisfying. Yes, it's also technically super impressive, but it just feels so good. Like that that game is uh, pretty light on content, but in terms of like how it actually functions, it feels so far ahead of its time. I tend to agree. One of the main reasons that the Saturn was, I guess, anticipated was that Sega was dominating the arcades with their racing games. Unfortunately, yeah. that doesn't always work out well because the Saturn <laughs> was nowhere near as capable as, say, the Sega Model 2 or Model 3 hardware. Right. So there was a lot of compromises. Obviously, most noticeably, Daytona USA near launch in Japan. Yeah. Not exactly. It was in the spring, I guess. But... You know, trying to bring home a Model 3, Model 2 arcade game, 60 frames per second, all those cars on screen at once, uh, there was just no way in heck that that was going to happen. And it, what they turned out was very playable and good, but it's compromised. But where it gets impressive, I think, is in their subsequent ports. For instance, yes. Sega Rally Championship. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. 
Sega Rally on the Saturn is unbelievably good, right? Like, it, it's not arcade perfect. It couldn't be, but it's so shockingly close yeah. that you're just like, I remember at the time seeing it and just being blown away. It feels extremely faithful, and um, we had, John, we had you on two years ago, and, and uh, you, Brendan, and I, we, we talked about uh, like the most impressive uh, games on a variety of consoles, especially arcade oh, yeah. ports, and uh, Sega Rally came up, and it's like, yeah, it's um, it's just such a such a top quality work uh, across the board it because is. when that team would work on Daytona and do Championship Circuit Edition, they made a game that was also very visually impressive, very stable frame rate, but they didn't quite get the handling down, and so it doesn't quite feel like Daytona. It feels like something else, but Sega Rally, I think, is where it's at, and that's why like. The Saturn, and I, I, this might be uh, a little bit surprising to some people, but it's not really my favorite system for racers. I find that a lot of no, third, I, I understand. I find that a lot of third-party games, especially like the handling, is wonky and um, yeah, it's it, it's a little bit difficult. There's some standouts, like I think F1 Challenge is very uh, very good, um, mm -hmm. and I'll even like it, it's not a bad place to play the original Need for Speed. Uh, Wipeout, I think it runs slower than on the PlayStation, but it's also it not bad. Um, but yeah, a lot of games like that uh, high velocity mountain racing challenge. Mm -hmm. um, what was the name Speaking of that? Speaking of Toge, yeah, that so that's Toge, Toge King the Spirits. Yeah, yeah I, there's, there's two of those in there. I can't yes. stand the first one. I've I, I've never played the second one, but the first one it was recommended to me and like, years ago. And I played it. I'm just like, this is a mess. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's actually hit or miss. Actually, high velocity mountain racing challenge is Wangan Dead Heat. Uh, oh really? Yeah. So that's oh wait no that's K that's Toge King the Spirits. Yeah. What's the other one? There's another one. Um, Highway 2000. Highway 2000. Okay, what I'm thinking gotcha. Of. I, have you guys actually looked into the whole Highway 2000 uh, One Gun Dead Heat thing uh, with the I have regions? tried to parse that a number of times. It is a are you are you aware of the differences, of... Adam? No, I, I don't think I am. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, other so, than like FMVs being removed for obvious reasons. But... Yeah, so One Gun Dead Heat, they kind of went nuts with uh, the the Japanese girls in their full motion video. They were meant to tantalize people. They're on the back mm. of the case listed as a feature. And you're like, oh, okay. So they were doing that. It was the 90s. Right. Uh, it comes to the US, Highway 2000. All of that is stripped out, right? So okay. it's just completely removed, which I can, I can see, you know, different thing. But then Highway 2000 comes to Europe and they brought mm. the girls oh. back, but they're completely different. Wow! Wait, did they shoot new footage? Yeah, they sh shot new footage of Jeez. Western women instead. Oh God! Oh, oh Jesus! You can imagine uh, how that went. Now so, that was also. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, no, that's that's it. That's just okay. that's the silliness of it. That was also Tokyo Highway Battle, right? On the no, 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 no. That's, that's okay. Shitoku Battle '97. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Jesus! Yeah. It's so hard with these <laughs> with these street exactly, racing right? games. Like <laughs> I know, but. So, other ones I want to mention on Saturn, though, uh, there's a standalone release of Outrun from Sega Ages, yep. and this yep. was the first version ever of Outrun to support 60 frames per second gameplay. Nice. Because, as weird as it sounds, the arcade version is actually 30 frames per second, right? Mm -hmm. It was a very early sort of superscalar game, so it didn't do 60, but on Saturn, you can enable a 60 FPS mode, and uh, it's it otherwise looks 
arcade perfect visuals, runs twice the frame rate. It's an amazing version of Outrun. Actually, one of my favorite versions because you can play it on a CRT. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's really the reason great. It's gotten as expensive as it is. <laughs> yeah. There's also not as impressive, but they put Power Drift on the Saturn. Yes, this is one that? I've wanted for a long time, but it's pricey. That's a tricky one because yeah. they halved the frame rate from arcade, so that one only runs at 30. But when you look at other ports of Power Drift and other older like Mega Drive Superscalar ports, you know, 30 FPS constant is actually not bad, and it looks the same <laughs> as the arcade. So it's like okay, it's it's very playable and it looks good. Remember, uh, you're also, you're on the Saturn, where like you know, 20 FPS yeah. 3D is is a lot of cases the best you're gonna get. <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's also Manx TT Superbike from yeah. Sega, yep. which again, Tantalus. super smooth. Yeah. yeah, it looks really, really, really good. Yep. Um, I would say Road Rash, the 3DO game, got a port to Saturn, and that mm. is better than the 3DO version performance wise. Yeah. A lot better. <laughs> It just so, feels wrong to play it on not a 3DO to me. I, I know what you mean. There is something about that 3DO version, isn't there? It's, it's like difficult. it's barely playable by comparison, but it's just it's got that that weird. There's also to it. I don't know. <laughs> do you guys ever play uh what is it uh Grand Chaser slash yes Cyber Speedway, which uh no. in in the U.S. specifically it got a rockabilly soundtrack. Oh no, really. <laughs> Yeah, so like the oh. original, uh, who was the composer again? Um, it was, oh yeah, it was Koji Hayama, who had done music for like the Choaniki games. Uh, oh, nice. an am- amazing composer, like, and he did this awesome, um, incredible, like, high energy sort of, what is it, techno-ish music that was perfect yeah. for the game, right? When they brought it to uh, North America, they actually got a band to do it like who was it like junkyard dogs or something like that i, I actually don't remember the name but uh it's probably right completely completely different soundtrack and it's rockabilly it's the bygone dogs that's what it is it's by the bygone dogs <laughs> the thing is though is they didn't take out the victory mu- music so like you're hearing oh this like God. twangy kind of like guitar music and then you pass through the the you know the that's checkered incredible. flag and then you get blasted with this like high energy electronic music and you're like what the like, it never fit uh, so, <laughs> it's kind of a Wipeout-ish clone. Yeah. I think it predates Wipeout, doesn't it? In Japan? Did I? Uh, am I Actually, that? you might be right about that. Or is I... Actually, yeah, I picked up a Japanese copy of that a long time ago, just um, so I could talk to Adam about it and be like, what, man, you don't stand the Grand? Yeah. You're not on that Grand Chaser train, man. You gotta- <laughs> actually, I think you're right about that, because Wipeout came out for like the, the launch of... European place. Europe was ninety five, right? Yeah, so it was in September ninety five. Whereas, um, obviously, Grand Chaser was out in like the spring in Japan on Saturn. So yeah, that's wild. So Wipeout is a Grand Chaser clone. So I've I, I, I <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I've come come, before you, Nick Burcombe. <laughs> I've come across I've come across uh, that game a couple of times and always neglected to buy it because I never heard anything good about it. So I might take it out now. It's not bad. It's not bad. Also, one last one I want to mention. Scorcher. You guys played that? No, I definitely thought you were going to say Hang on GP95, but now I'm going oh, to another one. No, no, not so Hang on GP. Th- this was, <laughs> Scorcher was made by a company called Xerinx. They did some really amazing like technical stuff. It's a super dark, gritty, oh, this game. Yes. Like, like nighttime racing game, but like the visuals and the fluidity are just unbelievable for the Saturn, and it's just it's very cool to play. 
Scorcher so, for me is one of those games like if I walk into a retro game store and they happen to have a small Saturn collection there will always be a copy of Scorcher and I love it because for me it's like perfectly emblematic of like completely vague old video game like you look at the cover of it it just says <laughs> Scorcher you have no yes. idea what this game is about there's no way of knowing <laughs> you just have you're like a oh, Scorcher all right let's see what it is. The cover looks like it's somewhere between like Tunnel B One and like Slave Zero or something. Like it's just a really weird. You know that that is a throwback right there. Slave Zero and Tunnel B One. They feel like they're related somehow. In some I, weird way, yeah. What is it? Three D mission shooting finalist or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know what? It reminds me a little bit of Extreme G. I also love these how these old games like the speedometer takes up approximately a quarter of the screen. <laughs> it's gigantic. <laughs> huge oh man what was that uh, nissan sx that had the digital readout on the dashboard mm. anyway never mind. there was there was Digressing. some um oh yeah it's split second that attacks attaches like your speedometer and like powers and stuff to the bottom of the cars it's like a 3d graphic that's projected into the oh, scene right with the yes. chase cam it does yeah. the dead it's space thing super yeah. cool i yeah. love that kind of stuff but anyway that's enough talking about the crazy games <laughs> in Saturn. We should probably talk about what if you want to play these games. Like if you're like, man, I want Toge King the Spirits 2. How am I going to play this? And you this? do. Yes, you do. Um, so the Saturn is a little bit trickier, but it is still doable. Obviously, yes. there's the real hardware route. And I don't know what the, what's, what's the, you guys know the going rate on Saturn these days? Like what's, what is, what is it going to cost like somebody come to get back a console? Down recently. I want to say people are selling those things for like, 70 or 80 now i can i can take the off. temperature on ebay real quick as you guys uh talk so the getting a saturn console i always would say is a great idea uh, yes. especially with the well if we're just going to do raw straight hardware for now regular saturn with discs you know you, you definitely want to hook up to a crt or use something like a RetroTink 5x pro Yep. Something like that. Essentially, one of these sorts of ways to upscale it if you're using another machine. But the original yes. Saturn, I find, is actually, unlike PlayStation, it's a very reliable system, by and large. Mm. Yeah. Uh, optical drives are pretty solid. Uh, I've personally never had a Saturn optical drive fail, mm, which is same. unbelievable, because on PlayStation, I, I've had almost nothing but failures and scrambling to find ones that work. <laughs> it's, a, it's a horrible machine. Seems like, by the way, seems like you can get them starting at around $80, so not terrible. It's not terrible. Yeah. So the problem with Saturn, though, and this is this is definitely a huge caveat, I feel like it's too late to get into Saturn collection, collecting, yeah. unless you actually have a ton of cash, or, or I won't say, if you want to go for the low-hanging fruit, and thankfully there yeah. are some amazing games that I would consider low-hanging fruit. You know, a lot of Sega's yeah. games that sold really well, you can get Sega Rally Championship for nothing. Daytona USA, also very, very cheap. Uh, yep. You know, outside of racing, stuff like Virtua Fighter 2, which is incredible. All, a lot of AM2's fighting games. All of that stuff, still very, very affordable, very cheap, mm. and it's of good quality. And even some of the, the import stuff, like we've been talking about Toge, the Toge games are not expensive. You can get them mm. for pretty low price they they will practically pay you to take those from import yeah they, they want you to take it this is often why i go back to when i talk about like collecting racing games is like thankfully most people don't care about the genre so these games tend to be cheaper 
At least I Usually, find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're totally right. I think the only real exceptions to this is stuff like the Sega Ages Outrun, mm, Power yeah. Drift. Those releases are actually more expensive. And Outrun is especially a tricky one because the initial print run only works on Model 1 Sega Saturns. If you try to run it on a Model oh, 2, really? it will not start. It just freezes at the boot screen. Uh, I, I think the second print run fixed that. Um, if you use a Model 1, it doesn't matter anyway. But yeah. there's a few no, games I have a like Model this. 2, so that matters to me. Yeah, so Outrun has that problem. Uh, in the Hunt, or Kaite Daisen, so oh, the yeah. Japanese version of that, has the same problem where Incredible. you try to run on a Model 2. It'll crash during the intro. can't play it. Uh, so that, I know that's super weird with those, but that that is something. There's also stuff like Taito Chase HQ plus SCI, <laughs> which is on there, which again, not super cheap, but really cool. Um, but I feel like by and large, I mean, what do you guys think? Saturn racing games aren't that expensive. No, they're not. And uh, a lot of the hardware isn't either. Like there's a decent amount of Saturn racing games that would uh, support the 3D pad. Um, AKA the Knights yeah. controller um, or like that racing wheel that Sega put out, which um, I have a Japanese one in box that I got from RetroCo a few years ago. But um, that thing is awkward. Yes. But I have a weird affection for it. Um, it handles well, doesn't it? Like surprisingly. It does. Though. Yeah. I mean, you're usually using the paddles for gas and brake, which is strange. But mm -hmm. if you play it with Sega Touring Car Championship, that is, I think, the It becomes easiest. playable. Yes, it, well, one, it becomes playable. Two, it's the easiest way to get the Celica and the Delta from Sega Rally, which are normally like almost impossible to get in that game. You have to do some crazy right. stuff otherwise, but yeah. Yeah, but I think the reason that like, okay, so I found my Saturn at a thrift store in 2011, I want to say, um, for like, I don't know, six or $7. So I looked out there, <laughs> but I don't have a lot of uh, complete US games because the vast majority of them are very, expensive. very expensive. Even, you know, the kinds of, like, generic throwaway, like, sports titles. People are buying those up to use their cases. The cases um, I know, it sucks. So, like, even those are 15 20 bucks a pop. This was a case where I lucked out because my, my brothers are... Uh, I have two older brothers. They're both significantly older than me. And when I was growing yeah, up... You um, <laughs> one I'm of just, them was... Uh, seething. <laughs> well, one of them... We own the Sega Saturn, and he bought everything. He has Panzer Dragoon Saga. Exactly. That's, so yep. I, I, I grew up with a very good U.S. Saturn collection. I mean, like, we've never owned everything, but, like, all the games I could really want to play were there. Um, and I'm very fortunate for that. Same goes for Dreamcast. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, for me, I, I also I got into Saturn in late 97, early 98, when it was starting to fail. And I was just buying up everything, and I kept all those original cases nice. and games. And some of them were so unwanted. I've, I think I've told this story before, but I love it. Is um, what is it? Albert Odyssey, a working designs <laughs> published RPG. Uh, I went name. to the game store where my friend worked, and he's like, "Oh, we have a loose copy of this. You want it?" And I was like, "All right, fine." And he's like, "Oh, actually, the case. Um, we just threw those out. So if you want to go out into the dumpster, yeah! you can find the cases." So I went dumpster diving and I got the case of Albert Odyssey out of there and a whole bunch of other games, Panzer Dragoon 2, uh, stuff like that, just out of Jeez. the trash. All and those uh, Saturn <laughs> foam bricks that they used to put yeah. in yeah. the cases. <laughs> so that that right there tells you everything you need to know oh, about what people heart. thought of Sega Saturn in Oof. 1998. Man. Nobody cared. It was done. It was over. Mm. I cared, but... I was getting hyped for Dreamcast when that got announced. I just went nuts on Saturn playing <laughs> those games. Yeah, I. Oh man, what I wouldn't give. The problem is Adam and I were entering grade school at that point. 
<laughs> so it's just right. <sighs> but I mean, yeah, it's. I, I guess I'm a little bit older, so I was in high school nice. when that hit. Nice. Yeah. See, that's when so I was just old enough to afford it. Yeah. When I was buying Saturn <laughs> games fresh out of high school, it was uh, not a wise place to be. Um, but the no. reason that I've been, uh, I think, grown into such a massive uh, Saturn pervert is because of how easy it is to uh, just play imports on that thing. Uh, just, just throw, um, you know, I think my first one was that action replay cart yep. in a memory card slot um, or later a pseudo Saturn yep. Kai um, because then it was like, oh, this is the Dreamcast move where I can just burn CDRs. Yes. And throw them in Thankfully there. easy for imports with the Saturn. Yeah. So like the vast majority of my Saturn collection is Japanese. That's the way. And as you mentioned, the that is actually a really great solution for plain burn games or yeah. imports on a US Saturn or any region really. It's using an action replay cart, uh something like that. The only problem with those action replay carts that they're notorious because they don't have a beveled edge on the cartridge yeah. slot and it actually damages the Saturn's cartridge mm. slot, which is already finicky. So like over time you keep using that thing. Uh, this this the slot is like destroyed. So playing stuff like four megabyte cart games becomes almost impossible because it just won't read it. Right. You're like taking in and out. You can clean it all day. It's just the slot itself is damaged yeah. and not great quality anyway. Somewhere so Renee that's, from DB Electronics is screaming in agony right now. Is yeah. it the case if you just like have it in there and sort of leave it in there for as long as possible? That's sort of the safest thing to do as opposed to. Probably, I think it'll be yeah. fine. It and, yeah, yeah, just don't okay. keep swapping yeah. it. As long as you're you not wanna... playing a lot of like X-Men Children of the Atom or whatever. So that that actually brings me to hardware mods then. And yeah. one of my favorites mm -hmm. is actually... So there's a lot of optical disc emulators for Saturn. And I know this one has gotten some heat for the cost, but I actually do prefer the Satiator because it's the one that plugs into that MPEG yes. cart slot on the back of the unit where the battery mm -hmm. is. Uh, and it allows you to maintain your optical drive and still take advantage of ODE if you like so you have the option yeah. whereas the others involve removing the optical drive replacing it with an optical disc emulator instead right. they're good too if you're okay with that but you know as someone with like 300 Saturn games on disc like yeah. I'd still like to use uh, the real discs when I can right yeah same <laughs> so that was uh, that was my problem when I dropped a GDMU in my Dreamcast. I was like, man, I had to pull the whole laser assembly out of here. Yep. What am I going to do with all these games now on my shelf? And the answer ended up being uh, find a Sega Sports Black Dreamcast, uh, also at a thrift <laughs> store, and um, make some poor decisions. But um, nice. yeah, Saturn is a weird one because it's uh, it's got excellent um, RGB video out natively without any kind of modding or anything. If you want to either plug that into a CRT or into some kind of upscaler. Um, I've uh, tried mine on like an OSSC a few times and it's, it looks great, super sharp, um, very fast. Uh, but there's not a ton yeah. of, there's, there's not as many software emulations out there that are <sighs> quite where you'd want them to be. Mm. They're, they're, they're getting, they're okay. Yeah. Stuff like, you know, there's SSS, SSF, uh, Yabause. You know, mm. stuff like that. I think like Mednafen or something or Retro. There are a couple of forks of Mednafen that have Saturn support. Kind of really good. Yeah, so Saturn emulations come a long way. It's looking pretty good, but it's nothing like Duck Station right, where you can yeah. greatly enhance it and really make it look awesome. Like that's just not feasible here. Uh so that is something to keep in mind. And that's actually where again the the um Polymega actually is useful because yeah. it does play Sega Saturn games from disc. Uh, well, it you can install it on the drive actually, even if you want. Yeah, that's I just played through but, Panzer Dragons 
Panzer Dragoon it, Saga that way. That way, yeah. yeah, it's it's a good solution and it's very easy to set up. Mm -hmm. But that's that's kind of it on the software side. I think somebody is working on a Mr. Core. Yes. That's gonna be a tall order, I feel. I but the Mr. Community continues to surprise and baffle me with their skill. So Yeah, I saw a list <laughs> of compatibility like on that like last week that has expanded greatly. Um it's, it's these guys are nuts. God, man. I don't even understand how they're incredible able to pull that off at all. It's so fascinating and impressive on yeah unfortunately due to the way the saturn's video processors seem to work the design on the board yeah it doesn't seem possible to do like a dc or dc or ps1 digital style oh really solution ah wow uh like i don't think there's a way to tap in and get like this perfect digital video output from the system that includes everything like i don't i i not 100 percent, but from what i understood talking to folks community about this i don't think it's actually possible on sega saturn so we'll probably never get that kind of solution that's truly the the digital output yeah. like ps1 digital or D dc digital so that is a bit of a shame that that's not feasible but you know do the vdps have separate video DACs or something like how it has to be combined for <sighs> I, the analog i output, think it's right? something to do with the way the the vdps work and how they combine the image and huh. uh because, I mean, the whole system is built like juggling all these different buses and passing <laughs> data back and forth. And it's really wild. I mean, it's not quite as like the 32X is even crazy. That's what I was going to say. It's like, yeah. In my mind, it doesn't it's, use an analog video, yeah. but it's not like that. But cables uh, going It's everywhere. like that or like doing SLI on a Voodoo 2 where it's just like <laughs> just combining yeah, the original video, video scan line inter interleaving. Yep. Mm -hmm. That was, yeah. And that actually worked better than any <laughs> SLI that followed, I would say. Uh, that was pretty cool. So yeah, that's kind of the situation on Saturn. Get a, I recommend still just, just get a Saturn. Get a real console, either ODE or build a collection up to you, yeah. or you just you know pirate yeah, stuff. Mix and match, whatever. It, it is it is whatever. You can do all that stuff. It's fairly easy to work with an original Saturn. Uh, and you can do a lot of this stuff. You don't actually have to mod it at all if you don't want to. Uh, I actually did get a. I do have a modded Saturn, so I can play all my different region games without having to rely on a cart in the back slot probably for the so, best yeah so that is that is good but that's kind of the saturn situation yeah there is like the only other thing that i can think of is there is an optical audio uh mod for that if you want straight digital oh, audio yeah. off that board um which i'm told is quite nice but i've not been willing to spring for that quite yet and uh, if you want to spend extra you can get one of those cool looking sirens that they only sold in japan like the high saturn or v saturn <laughs> like the, oh my god the original this is cool yeah. saturn. the this is cool saturn um yeah it is cool it is, it is cool. they were wrong <laughs> it's like what's that uh copy text on the japanese disc for panzer dragoon's Vi that's just like we wanted to make the best shooting game ever it's like well one could argue we didn't even talk about sonic r Dang. Yeah, I, I can't feel the sunshine. It's it's literally three in the morning. Uh. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. So that's Sega Saturn, right? That that leaves one other console from this era that I think oh. we should discuss. The, the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo sixty four. So the N sixty four. Believe it or not, I mean you guys believe it. It actually has some pretty good racing it's games. Got some great there. racing games on it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a solid machine for racing. Obviously, one of the early examples, 
uh, Wave Race 64, which is still an amazing thing. Right. Uh, you know, Nintendo also did the venerable F-Zero-X, or F-Zero-Cross, as I like to say sometimes. <laughs> uh, Sony paid you that. to say that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, there are interesting conversions of the cruising games on there, oh, which, you know, whatever, uh, extreme G one and two is there. Those are great. Uh, world driver championships, yes. Fantastic which is a very game. technically so, impressive game. So impressive. Beautiful game. And then if you want like the worst of the worst, you can get automobile Lamborghini and, mm. and then cry as you play it and realize <laughs> But uh, what about you guys? Like other stuff that sticks out. Yeah, I mean, like awesome racing games on N sixty four. MRC, uh, Aero Aero Gauge Gauge Get Gersh Aero Gauge Gauge. Yeah. It's a gauge, very whatever. strange. It's almost feels like a prototype for a what's the how would you the PS two game? It's like Chris Helviger or something. Who's Yeah, that one. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like okay, they added vertical movement to this anti gravity racer for whatever reason. Um, I I can't wrap my head around Arrow Gauge. I think it, it looks amazing. It just looks like the menus in that game are my favorite part oh, of that game. Yeah. Yeah. They look so good. Um, my my shout out always, you mentioned Wave Race 64, John, which I think is like, just in terms of gameplay and physics, is just so perfect. I love that game so much. Yeah. Everyone go watch amazing. that DF Retro video series about water and games. It's really cool. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely watch <laughs> that. Jo by the way, like it blew me away when you, you know, explained how the N64 is really only modeling like a square of water. Oh, and wireframe. You, <laughs> that, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like, that is so cool. And now if you play it like, you know, on you can't unsee it. Switch emulation or whatever. Um, yeah, you can't unsee it. If you if you play it at the resolution where you can actually perceive that, um, it's so obvious. But Yeah, I mean, that was the only way, I think, to make it feasible. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to do a whole ocean surface that's all like undulating like that with polygons on the 64. It's, uh, right. it's asking a lot. But, the but one... there was a... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to give a shout out to Beetle Adventure Racing, yeah. which I think yeah. straight up is the best. <laughs> I think the best racing game on that system. It is fantastic. And and uh, and hot take. It's real good. Maybe the best Need for Speed. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I can see it. That's, that's, um, that's fair. Yeah. It's really yeah. good. Speaking on the water stuff, I would also say it has a shockingly good port of Hydro Thunder, Thunder yeah. which, you okay. know, it's better on like Dreamcast and such, obviously. It's another one to avoid the still... first print run of if you can on Dreamcast. Yeah, absolutely. But Hydro Thunder is pretty good on 64 and also uh, Midway's ports of San Francisco Rush, mm -hmm. you know, Rush 2049. Uh, those games are really solid on there. And, you know, I didn't even mention it, but there's Mario Kart 64. Oh, yeah, that one. Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> You yep. know, that stuff's good. Uh, South Park Rally's not good, but it's there. <laughs> that Lego racing's all right. Um, we got that, uh, that Elmo letter adventure. I think there's a Mickey Mouse kart racer in there. Um, yeah. Wipeout um, 64. Ridge, Ridge, Ridge Racer 64. 64 which kind is... of, if you have the option, I would not we necessarily have... jump for those first over their PlayStation counterparts, but you know, they're all right. We have an individual. Yeah. To, first of all, I think I think Wipeout sixty four gets a bad rap. I think it's a I think it's perfectly That's fine. Totally fine. Um, it's good. Yeah. Uh, Ridge Racer sixty four. We have an individual in the time extend Discord who stands Ridge Racer sixty four. They love Ridge Racer. It's their favorite one. I don't get wow. it. It's a very like like technically, I think it's very impressive for the N sixty four. It just feels like 
it's it's not a Ridge Racer game. Well, it's I, I yeah. would say that's probably why he yeah. likes it yeah. more than because it is not Ridge Racer. It's a yep. completely different thing. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't like Ridge Racer that much, you might like this a lot more because it's not Ridge Racer. <laughs> <laughs> that is a game that was waiting for its DS port in a weird way. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and let's not forget Star Wars Episode One Racer, which lets you use two N64 controllers oh, to control each. Right, oh, you, you dual hand out. That. They knew about the game, but I didn't know about that ability. Yeah, that is <laughs> otherwise, it's a strictly strictly Dreamcast game in my mind, um, because of the frame yeah, rate and everything. Well, but... I mean, for me, it's more about the arcade game from Sega, well, yeah, which that's... which is completely. That's different how I first played version. it, and having the two like big old levers moving back and forth, uh, I was yeah. screaming, Incredible. "It's working! It's working!" Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, so one more sixty four then. One more. Oh, okay, I'm gonna yeah, add. one more. Top Gear uh, Rally, baby. Uh, top. I don't like Top Gear Rally. Uh, GT sixty four is a oh, Japanese yeah. Grand Touring Car, uh, fully licensed game with, uh, I think, a number, maybe all of the cars from the ninety seven season or whenever it was. Um, not a lot of those games got made. You know, like JGTC licensed touring car racing games, and it's pretty. Um, it's not very technically impressive, but the handling's very drifty. It's a fun game, and you get to drive like Calsonic Skylines and Castrol Supras. So, you know, what more could oh, you wait. want? Was that like the City Tour game, like from Imagineer? Yeah, like City Tour Grand Prix or something. I think that might have been the name in Japan. Yes, uh, Imagineer and uh, I think Ocean published it. Oh, jeez, in, in the West. Yeah, yeah, good game. Oh wow, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so. There's a lot on N64, yeah. I think. So, what's the best way to play it, oh, I guess? So, what do you guys do for N64? I think N64 is still, like... It's the one that I get people asking me about the most often that are not um, all the way down this uh, rabbit hole of depravity um, of old game hardware. <laughs> uh, I think that's the one that uh, most often comes up from people that just, like, need a little hit of nostalgia. Like, how do I hook this up to my... HDTV, and it's like, well, I don't have a good answer unless you want to spend a just, just frankly irresponsible amount of money. Yeah, um, like the Ultra HDMI mod is incredible. Um, you know, speaking of things like the PS1 digital and the DC digital, um, and N64 digital, they also did. Oh, that's right. Mod yes. Well. So there's two mods. Yeah. So those are both great options. Um, yeah, it used to be you had to order that uh, RGB board. Um, or cheap. Cheaper, even if you're using a CRT, I recommend the RGB mod, which uh, N64 RGB, cheaper than the digital, the HDMI mods, mm. and it has a proper switch to disable the blur filter yes. on N64. Exactly. Oh, thank so the goodness. D, the old... D-blur function. So RGB N64 with D-blur actually looks really good. Yeah, there's that old uh, MLIG video about the uh, slapping a game shark in there as well to remove the second layer of... Um, that software. that one I don't recommend as much yeah, because that gets rough. into the actual anti-aliasing yeah. and it causes like tons of dithering. Hmm. So I I have a complicated relationship for the N64 because for a very long time I hated it <laughs> until fair. I realized like there's there's a good number of weird uh, and unusual racing games from developers that didn't really make racing games on other consoles. And so it feels very different. Like, you don't get a game like Beetle Adventure Racing on the PS1 or the Saturn. Um, that said, because I kind of... It took me a very long time to come around to it, I don't have a good solution. I actually... I have an N64, and I've had an N64 forever. 
but when I was working uh, at the tech site, um, the people at Eon provided me with the Super 64, which is not a great option because you're just getting the equivalent like $150 S video cable, right? Like, right. And I mean, yeah. I only I only got it for free because of my job. Right. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, so the the only way that I actually play in 64 games is on a CRT with just like a, a nice, well shielded S video cable. Like, I don't care enough mm. to get that thing RGB modded. It's a very slight difference. I mean, I mean, it is noticeable, um, but. Like it's just the way that N64 games look already is so yeah. uh, muddy by default, and the way that like the texture filtering is done and all that. Like even with D blur on, it's like th that is considerably better, but not enough for me to care that much. Um, so I just use that. Mm. And that uh, I think it's a retro. Who's is it retro fighters brawler? That wireless controller. Um, yeah, that's right. D pad is useless, but otherwise it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I just use a thing on a CRT with uh, you know, a good comb filter. Um, it was more difficult back when my my precious BVM was still alive, my my beloved 20E1U, um, trying to get the oh. cards in that thing to... Uh, yeah, the comb filter, that was great. That made N64 games look pretty all right. But uh, then the tube hit 6,000 hours or 60,000, whatever the lifespan was, and uh, died on me. Um, but I mean, yeah, even on a consumer CRT, it's still... Uh, that's about as much as work as I'm willing to do for uh, the N64. <laughs> yeah, but at least if you do have an N64 that's decent to play with, uh, getting like an EverDrive 64 is, makes it very easy oh, to yeah, throw totally. ROMs in there if you don't want the original carts. Yeah. But there ha there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in the N64 scene outside of the original hardware. Uh, first of all, I think the best emulator is something called Simple 64, which was uh. like originally based on like Mupin 64 plus oh, nice. with like a it, it, it's this weird combination of things but it's it's as far as i can find it's the most accurate emulator available on the pc currently and does a pretty good job running games hmm. uh but much much more interesting to me is uh there's a fellow called dario who's uh you know friend of the show uh df show as well of course <laughs> he has been doing a ray tracing plugin for N64. Oh, that's wow. right. I forgot about that. And <laughs> when you see that in act, like he has been teasing just recently, wave ray 64 frame rate cap fixed. So <laughs> 60 frames per second. Oh man. Full uh, path tracing, mm. not just ray trace, like path tracing. So ray trace lighting, per object well motion blur, like widescreen hacks. Oh. You've got ray traced reflections everywhere. Like, if you think you've seen Wave Race 64 before, man, <laughs> you see it running on this thing, and it's just... Oh, sounds all right. It's not out yet, unfortunately, but, like, the quality of what he's accomplishing right now uh, is absolutely unreal. And it's... it's I cannot oh wait my. to get my hands on this. I'm watching this teaser that I yeah that he posted of for, Dario. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Ocarina of Time, and yep. it is beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what I saw on Twitter at some point a while back. Wow. Um, yeah, so uh, it's it's really impressive <laughs> stuff. His wave race demo there on Twitter. He has like a little video of it before the 60 FPS patch. But even it, with that in widescreen, yeah, uh, man, it looks unreal. I think. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. I think realistically, that's probably the way to go at this point. Um, in in its era, the N64 was the only. Uh, console of that generation that i had so i played a lot of that as a kid 
um, to the point that seeing 60 FPS games later on uh, felt really weird and gross to me for a long time <laughs> um, because I was used to things running like a slideshow um, and now I'm at the point where trying to play in 64 games will often give me like a sense of motion sickness because of the weird inconsistent <laughs> frame pacing um, mm. and just wildly inconsistent frame rate in general um, so I think yeah I th the fact that people are doing work like this on the uh, software emulation side is uh, an extremely Incredible. good thing I think <laughs> yeah for me uh, other than that like all I can think of is like if you don't have a CRT like the RetroTink 5X has some really really impressive CRT filters on there that they're using now uh, the shaders I mean um, same with Mister, but they're not you're not going to run S64 games on a mister. I say that now, but who knows? It shouldn't be possible, but <laughs> theoretically, Saturn wasn't either, and here we are. Um, I know Polymega announced a while ago they were going to do an N64 add-on for that thing, which, all right, sure. I'm curious enough to see how that turns yeah. out, but like otherwise, I'm just... I would like to see it. You, you yeah. guys you guys would uh, definitely know more, but the N64, I think, from an emulation standpoint, is a little bit weird because mm. there are some games like... I remember I was trying to play MRC and I was like, this isn't, this is all wrong. And other games work fine. And it's just like, I was kind of surprised yeah. that it wasn't more developed at, to the level so, that maybe PS1 It's kind of like Famicom Mapper chips the isn't it, in a way. Yeah. The, the trick here with N64 is that it was a gigantic step up in terms of what it's doing hardware wise. Mm. So like doing psycho accurate emulation of N64 is pretty tough. And there is work that has been done in that regard. But it's also the reason why I'm not so sure a Mr. Core for N64 actually is possible. Yeah. I think it's just beyond the realm of capabilities there. Whereas PlayStation Saturn are very simple hardware compared to N64. Wow. Uh, even though they compete, like the difference between what they're actually doing is, is dramatic. Yeah. N64 is let down more by things like its tiny little texture cache yeah. and you know stuff like that, right? So... <clears throat> but yeah it's it was an interesting generation all systems are still accessible today i think <laughs> through those different ways n64 is probably the most annoying to deal with mm. because of all those caveats yeah. and if you just take a regular 64 plug a composite video into a modern tv by itself without any Oh, you're gonna have a real Extra bad time, man. Are, it's gonna look really, really, really you bad. You get that very yeah. like there, there's that like static quality to like output on that like I just like from the S video especially. It's just like it's like there's like I don't know like oh that's the dithering. Yeah, it's awful. You're <laughs> seeing the, they're, they're dither. If you yeah. you can actually disable that as well. Okay. It, it's, it has it has a not so positive impact because it's oh, that's really? how they're blending a lot of colors together. Mm. So you end up with like crazy color banding without that dithering. Yeah, yeah. or the uh, it's rough. Was that, didn't you do the? Uh, yeah, you played around with the world is not enough on that stream a while back with the weird high color yeah, mode, right? Yeah. And the way that it makes everything all grainy and freaky and tanks the frame rate. Yeah, mm. it's quite yeah, interesting. So weird game. Yeah, that's that's kind of N sixty four then. Yeah, more or less. Brendan Rodison here and I am absent 
from this latest podcast episode because Adam informed me that there'd be a lot of intelligent discussion going on with some very smart guys about some very important racing game thingy my bobbers. Obviously, I couldn't go a full episode without appearing, so I was given the expert task of identifying the best, worst ways to play racing games. Because if anybody knows that, I would like to think it'd be me. So what I have done is I've put together a crack list of stuff that you need to try when it comes to playing racing games, some of them more obscure than the others, and it ranges from a range of weird input methods, displays, devices, and I am not going to hesitate as I run through this entire list, so feel free to replay this section as much as you need to to get the good stuff from this episode, as I'm sure it is absolutely the most important details that will be divulged. Okay, so Burnout Legends DS on the PS Vita, Burnout Legends DS on the PSP, Burnout Legends DS on the DS, Gran Turismo 4 on the ASUS EPC netbook, any racing game on Stadia, Burnout Paradise Remastered on PC using the Chew B Lips controller, please don't google that, V Rally 4 on the GPD Micro using the Xbox Wireless Speed Wheel as the main controller input, Enthusia Professional Racing on a regular PC using the Yamaha MS1 controller. Dirt Rally 2.0 using the Konami DDR Hand Controller 2000. Sega GT. Mario Kart Super Circuit on an emulator using a Fnatic Direct Drive as your main input method. iRacing using a set of Elgato Stream Deck pedals and a Stream Deck device. Sega Rally 2 with the Dreamcast Fishing Controller. Colin McRae Rally 3 with the Hanari Traveller CT16 CRT Mini TV, utilising the Flying Circus RC Copter Adventure Championship Pad as your main input method. Ridge Racer in any way but an arcade cabinet, look in your heart, you know it's true. And the very worst way, to not play racing games at all. Thank you very much for letting me spread my bit of information on this podcast, Adam, John, Andrew. I hope you had a fantastic time talking about less interesting stuff than the best worst ways to play racing games. And for anybody who goes out and seeks all of these different methods of playing racing games, you are welcome.
Dreamcast has a lot of good racers, but I, I would say it, it didn't quite fully achieve its full potential. I think the PS2 ended up sort of destroying it in terms of overall racing game library, but there's still some good stuff on there, I would say. Uh, you know, Daytona USA 2001, mm. I was a little bit Genki. weird on it first, but yeah. in the end, I have come around on it. I like it. I kind of have. Uh, it's such a it's such a strange, strange game. Yeah, like, I have to. It is. It I is. Have to do my Very uh, weird. My contractually obligated uh, time extend mentioned the weird steering thing about Daytona 2001 because it's. Was it the the analog stick is acting as a wheel, so you have to like push it up, and that's like neutral, yep. and you kind of like rotate it around yep. the edge, and like I think that's a fascinating idea, um, maybe a little counterintuitive, uh, maybe the weirdest decision Genki ever made. <laughs> it does let you kind of get some nice granularity on your turns, yeah. but if you don't realize that, and the game doesn't tell you that, you're, just uh, all over you're gonna the place. have a, a really bad time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very very touchy, um, just. So weird when we all just wanted the Daytona two port, and then yeah. Genki shows up with yeah, that. You know, with that, yeah. I will say though that uh, so Genki also did um, Tokyo Extreme Racer one and two, right? And I think two especially is is exceptionally yeah. awesome. Beautiful game. Fantastic. Played played a lot of that back in the day. Yeah. Uh, the actual best racing game on there, I I didn't think so at the time, but I I kind of feel like it might be the best one now for me at least is F three five five Challenge. Really from AM two. Because when you really start to learn that game and you really spend time getting into it, you find like the actual driving model itself is so rewarding. Yes. It is really good to play. It's just, it's amazing. It's this perfect fusion of a sim style racing game with arcade sensibilities. Mm -hmm. And it feels underwhelming initially, but once you really just dig in, it's like, okay, actually, this is like super well made. Yeah, I have a really weird relationship with that game because the first time I played it was finding the big, like, three CRT cabinets. Oh, yeah. Um, the arcade sure, cabinet at uh, Gameworks in Seattle. And <laughs> I had a great time with that. Um, like, the pedals and wheel and everything were great in there. Like, just even the shifter felt good in a weird way. Like, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was an H Gates. Yeah. That's you, Suzuki, being like, I just want everyone to experience the joy of driving Ferraris. a Ferrari F-355. Yes. Um, that game That game is great. Uh, I struggle with it for a weird reason. The perspective, the point of view is very narrow in that game. Hmm. Like, so, extremely I so. I agree. The FOB... Yeah. It's. I think it's because it was designed for that triple screen setup and right. they didn't adapt it well to the Dreamcast itself. It can be very hard to see the apex of corners as you go in, um, but if you can wrap yourself around that and get past that, yeah, this is a very rewarding driving mar model. And I would say like more more realistic uh, for the time than like Gran Turismo. Like it's, a, it's very punishing in terms of like getting your braking points right because if you miss that initial point to start breaking you're, you're just going to go off course and it doesn't give you any sort of leeway when you go off track you have no grip it's uh punishing yeah, yeah. I, I think the punishing aspect is what made me appreciate it because yeah. it just makes you re you're really working for those seconds right and it's just very satisfying to learn and by the way not that it's an amazing camera view the ps2 version of this game has a third person camera yeah. so that's which they added that's the only home port of that game that i have and i've uh, never quite been able to get along with it on the other side, some of the Dreamcast racing games that let me down, Sega Rally 2, I think, is a bad port. Yeah. They were trying to use Windows CE to develop it, and it just doesn't work. It, it looks worse. It runs worse compared to the Model 3 game. 
like allowing such an unstable frame rate to ship in a Sega Rally game to me is just absurd. They they messed it up. It's just bad. Like it's still it's still a fun game, but yeah. the port itself is technically bad. Kentucky Naganuma comes out of that yeah. thing shining. But that's Oh, the soundtrack that's about is it. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, soundtrack is fantastic. But yeah, it's I mean, I would say still get it cuz it's cheap and it's Sega Rally, but just know that the frame yeah. rate suffers a lot. Yeah. It's it's a shame. Yeah. And even if you use the high frame rate cheat code, mm. which pairs back the detail and draw distance a ton, it's not even locked 60 then either. It's yeah. still dropping frames all and, over the yeah. place. And it looks terrible often because you lose so many ugly, assets. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it often so, tanks when you're coming around a hairpin turn because they're using, uh, yep. you know, like environmental geo to hide loads and stuff. It's just, it's just, it's, a, it's just a, a mess. And then. Sega GT was their answer to Gran Turismo, and I, going back to it, I don't like it. I think it's terrible. It's awful. Uh, I hate that game from day one, and it reviewed same. so well. And I was a kid, and I was like, <laughs> this is terrible. What are you guys doing? Like, I just revisited uh, it for my retrospective on Gran Turismo mm -hmm. this year, and I was it was even worse than I remembered. So and bad. it was especially shocking, because when you go to Sega GT 2002 on Xbox, yep. that's actually it's really great, good. Yeah. It's just yeah. this initial Dreamcast game. I don't know what ha what happened, but it's I, it plays terribly. It's slow. It's boring. The tracks feel like these tunnels where they have like walls up against yeah. everything. It just like it's just super narrow and just weird. Don't I work. actually think the the yeah the the driving model in that game, the handling, I think goes toe to toe with driving a motion type S for like the worst handling racing game oh, I've ever played. Yeah, yeah. But driving a motion type S at least has the aesthetic and uh, the yeah. soundtrack to back it up, right? So oh, you yeah. want to. Like, I play that game, and I'm like, man, this game controls so bad, but look at this aesthetic. This is good, and you just, like, fight through the pain. Yep. <laughs> Where Sega GT is just yeah. ugly and, and just dull-looking, and it's only 30 frames per second, so. Yeah. I mean, there's some interesting yeah. stuff going on racing game-wise on the Dreamcast. I mean, obviously, we, Metropolis Le Mans? Street Yeah, that's the thing so, I was actually really so, building, too. Okay, yep. Test Drive Le Mans is a masterpiece. I think it oh, is so good, dude. Uh, one of, honestly, just... First of all, the idea that like a third-party game would kind of usurp Sega on its own console as like the best yeah. racer, but it is it is such a brilliant game. And as like a racing fan, it is to this day I think the the best um, like the best time that like Lamar was ever replicated in a video game. Yeah, um, I agree. It's beautiful. The soundtrack is incredible, and what they're doing with weather and day day and night cycles in that game, the ability to do the full twenty four hours and twenty four minutes yeah. if you want. Uh, yeah, just a great game. Yeah. But huge car yeah, they, grids, like yeah. They really recreated that feeling of motorsports in a way that's like unusually mm -hmm. impressive, especially for the time. Like it really right. felt like a race, like an event. Yeah. Really impressive, game. yeah. And it's and Andrew, you mentioned MSR as mm -hmm. well, yeah. Uh, which precursor to the Project Gotham Racing series? Yes, yeah, precisely. PGR is better. PGR one especially is yeah. better in pretty much yeah, every yeah, yeah. way, well, yeah. especially because PGR one is sixty FPS. But yeah, if you're curious about where it began, it's like a rough. It's like it's a rough cut of PGR. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but you know. There's also stuff like so Rush 2049 and Hydro oh, Thunder right, are yeah. both on there, mm -hmm. and all those midway ports. Quite, yeah. Those those are all pretty darn good, I would say. Um, I can't believe Ubisoft did Pod Two on there. Oh, that's right. On the yes. PC. Man, they, I had a copy of Pod Speed that. Zone for a while back in the day. No idea where that ended up. But. 
So Looney Tunes Space Racer. Interesting. <laughs> a game that is oh, yeah, that's right. Weirdly better than it should be. Uh, Vanishing Point is a sure, weird yeah, game. It's actually pretty good. It's it's all right. <laughs> but the worst the worst one on the system is probably Spirit of Speed, nineteen thirty seven. Mm. Notoriously horrible. Have you played that? I haven't played that, but I know Roadsters and Test Drive Six. Is it six or five? Oh my six. god! That that was a series that just got worse and worse. Uh, the Carmels in that game just make me laugh. They're so terrible. They the Carmels actually look better on the PS One version than they do yeah. on the Dreamcast version. <laughs> well, let's just say Spirit of Speed 1937 mm. is one of the last games ever that had. Uh, I think it's. I think this is the last game ever to feature the LJN badge. Oh wow! Oh, I think I even put that together. So it's an LJN game. So you can imagine, <laughs> it lives up to that <laughs> reputation. Yeah, they got a brand it's to maintain. Horrendous. So that's a, that's just some of the Dreamcast stuff. Some good, some bad. You know, it's it's a mix. But if you want to play Dreamcast today, uh, there's a, some decent options, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you're saying earlier, DC Digital is. Uh, excellent um in terms of just getting a raw you know hdmi signal out to your tv and receiver and all that fun stuff um what i did for a very long time before that was an option um was uh the the vga method mm -hmm. yeah um which is a very strange thing um so you can get really nice like 480p um like over VGA out of a Dreamcast. Um, looks excellent on a PC CRT monitor. Um, there was a while where I was uh, trying to find the cheapest way I could to get a digital signal out of my Dreamcast many, many years ago. So instead of using like a, you know, the uh, first party VGA box or like one of the Bahar Bros uh, boxes, which I don't even know if they're still making those anymore. Oh, yeah. But I got one of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have one kicking around here Bahar somewhere. Bros. but. Mm. Um, instead of that, I got some cheap like Tomy, uh, just VGA cable, uh, and then ran that yeah. into some uh, cheap like VGA to HDMI converter box that I got off AliExpress or something. And um, <laughs> if you want a sickeningly green uh, video <laughs> signal <laughs> on on flat panel display, that's a great way to do that. Mm. Um, I've if you're a big fan of that. input lag and uh, latency, <laughs> it's also. That's the way to go. Uh, Great, <laughs> wonderful. But uh, no, I think at this point, if you're if you want to play Dreamcast on a modern TV, like just find someone to do a DC, DC digital. digital mod on that thing. The tough thing about that that was actually what I was building up to. So there work there's work on the DC Digital too, right? From Black Dog, I think mm -hmm. I had seen tweets about that. Uh, I recently just learned about the DC Digital finally because I watched one of your videos on it, John, and I was like, mm -hmm. I need to go out and get this. And yeah, you, you can't get one right now, but hopefully they'll change soon. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I mean, seems great. So that's one way. Uh, obviously, if you're just using a CRT, this actually Dreamcast is a pain in the butt for this. So one of the biggest problems with Dreamcast that I think you guys would be familiar with is developers could specify essentially tag which display adapters yeah. were supported and a lot of them didn't check all those boxes even though they could and should have but they often did not which mm -hmm. means with vga or rgb cables there is a surprisingly large number of games that just won't boot they won't start real with those cables you can't the only the only cables that can play every dreamcast game is composite or s video yep. mm -hmm. so if you actually want the most compatible dreamcast experience 
uh, out of the box and you need like a consumer CRT with S video input and just go from there and then it'll look pretty good. It looks good. Yeah. Uh, it looks very clean, but yeah, that, the, that compatibility thing is just absurd. It drives me nuts and I still run into it today. Yeah. I find it doesn't tend to affect a lot of racing games. Pretty much my no, whole collection of racing games tends to work okay. The, the one that uh, I remember doesn't is Trick Style, um, which is oh, worth checking yeah. out. They do like Trick Style, uh, but I, I do too. Yeah, except for the frame rate. Yeah. So that's kind of an issue, I would say. But then on the PC side for emulation, um, there was the what was the name of it? I've not checked uh, Dreamcast emulation in a while because I f for so long I just kind of wrote it off as something that was just not ready yet. Demule or Demule? Demule, yeah, or yeah. Demule. However you, yeah, okay. So yeah, for Dreamcast emulation, Demule was always kind of my go-to mm -hmm. because it sort of reproduced the visuals in most games very accurately. Uh, and it supports stuff like Naomi, Naomi 2, uh, Thomas Wave, yeah. all of those games run on there as well, really nicely. So that's like a solid solution to Dreamcast emulation. Not too much in the way of enhancements, and that's fine. Uh, it just it replicates it pretty darn well. So you're either looking at modding your Dreamcast with one of the HDMI options, uh, just using a regular Dreamcast on a CRT, or going for uh, this solution here. And obviously, you know, VGA monitor CRT actually easy as well because finding VGA monitors is pretty easy these days, I think. Like, they're fairly regularly out there and cheap, and Dreamcast just hooks up to it if you have a VGA box and you get that crisp 480p output. Yeah, there was a while where um, uh, my, my main PC CRT is a ViewSonic uh, G90F because it's 1920 by 1440 um at 75 hertz um and then lower resolutions will go up into you know 120 etc but i have a uh, an old dell badged uh sony uh, as well that i used to um just keep a dreamcast and a 360 hooked up to over bga just swap those back and forth and uh oh that's real pretty it's real <laughs> real pretty yeah it is it is absolutely yeah. Uh, I'm still kicking with one of those Behar Bros boxes. I have the Acura, which just takes the VGA, converts it to HDMI. The problem is that th those cables, that they those bespoke cables, they don't last. So oh, that's mine's funny, yeah. kind of, yeah, mine's kind of starting to come undone a little bit. And if I don't have it seated exactly right in the box, I don't get you know a picture. Um, so yeah, those do have those do well. have a lifespan. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of Dreamcast in a nutshell. Of course, the next hardware to come along. Here we go. It's, it's the, the big go. one. It's the Play, it's PlayStation 2. Mm. Uh, and it has... So we've been kind of running through a lot of the best racers when just talking about it, but I don't think there's enough time for us to actually sit here and enumerate all of the PlayStation 2 racing the games rest of the weekends, yeah. worth playing. Because yeah. it's it's... It's absurd. There's like a hundred something racing games or more on the P PlayStation 2. There are Japanese exclusive yes. games that you've probably never even heard of mm -hmm. that are worth racing playing. Racing Battle C1 Grand Prix. Like racing yeah. Battle C1 Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. Kaido Battle yep. 2 Chain Reaction. You know, stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you've not TXR played it. Drift. But holy moly, it's good. Battle Gear 3. The only uh, arcade perfect uh, home port of Sega Rally. Yeah. Yeah. Sega Rally right. 95. M M2 2006. did it. Yeah. 
You've got uh, the incredible, if you get OutRun 2 SP, oh, the man. Japanese release, mm. it's Don't a completely polished up. <laughs> it fixed all the issues with the Western release of OutRun 2006 on PS2, and it now looks like almost one-to-one with Xbox. Not exactly, but it's close. Mm. All the slowdowns gone. Just a beautiful game. Of course, okay. the legendary Ridge Racer 5, which is my favorite Ridge Racer yep. still today. Just a remarkable, it's a launch game, but it's it's so, mm. so it's the first PS2 game to go gold, uh, right? Is that? Yeah. Man. That, Man is... that it was. It was the very first one. Yeah. And then, of course, the Burnout series started mm. there. Lots of great Burnout games. Yes. You've got, there's even a Wangan Midnight yep. game on there. There's the remake of Virtua Racing, which is flat out, which is pretty darn impressive yeah. looking. This was the platform where Need for Speed really spread its wings. The and best some version of Hot Pursuit 2, which well, I yeah, think yeah, is one of exactly. the best arcade racers of all time. Yeah, exactly. Hot Pursuit Two's there, of course. Gran Turismo series. There's Enthusia professional racing. <laughs> Shout out to Fernando and no one else. Oh, <laughs> Enthusia. Uh, Enthusia is really good with a wheel. Though. Right. That's that's the you thing. need it's just really you need a, analog uh, inputs for the for the throttle. Well, especially for the throttle, I think. If, if oh, you yeah. don't have that, the, the game's kind of unplayable. Yeah. Yeah, they went too far with the simulation on that game. Yeah, but it's impressive. Uh, there's Crazy Frog Racing. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. Adi? Adi, I, is that you? <laughs> I, uh, I stand by it. Another another hot take. I love Auto Modelista, and I think the handling is actually yeah, okay. Um, oh, that's right. I forgot people. you have that patented wrong opinion about the Japanese version of Auto Modelista. What? That, oh, I like the Japanese version. I, I, I pre- no, I, no, I prefer the American one. I'm weird. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's. I mean, that's fine too. Yeah. I I like them both. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with the American good... one. I just uh, once Casey showed me the Japanese release on PS2, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm I can't go back yeah. after this. Yeah. Then, there's Midnight Club games. Yeah. Pretty impressive. I, there's yeah. Moto Moto GP from Namco. S- sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I recently revisited Midnight Club Two, and that game is um I I feel like it tends to get missed now. We just had Midnight Club as yeah. a time extended. Mm-hmm. It tends to get missed in favor of three because three is licensed yeah. cars and so much content. But two is two is such a charming game. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. What about uh an EA itself had stuff? I mean, I would consider SSX kind of a racing game, yep. but they also did stuff like Shocks, Shocks. which yep. is like the EA big take on Sega Bren's, Rally with like Bren's favorite game. <laughs> Bren is single-handedly Shox driving is the price good. up on that thing. Shocks is great. You can love Shocks is Shox so is good. Extremely great. I would even say Rumble that's Racing. The next thing from I was going to say too, yeah. Pretty good. Sledstorm also Yeah, good. Sledstorm has Storm. uh if I can be a parody of myself for a second, Sledstorm is the first uh, game that I saw that had a DTS uh, surround option on there. That's right. Real weird. It it's the first game surround I played that had Dragula in it. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of games with Dragula in it. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I mean, there's the there's a bunch of Tokyo Extreme Racer games in yeah, there. There's a lot of Genki Racers so got, in there in general. Genki, Genki went nuts yeah. on that system. With the DT series. And, you know... You've got Sylvester Stallone. Extreme swimming. G came back. Yeah. Extreme G again. XG3 and XGRA are on there. I mean, we could really just go on and on and on. Yeah, the list here sure. is so long, so vast. I think the PS2 is the best racing system of all time overall, just in terms of just sheer amount of quality yeah. available. Uh, my heart wants to say Xbox, system, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, I think Xbox gets it for me. But yeah, PS2 definitely has it's close. quantity. Xbox covered. is good. Yeah. It's good. But PS2 has more of those interesting Japanese yeah. racing games than Xbox yeah. does. Yeah. And true. almost nearly every one of these games is also 60 frames per second. Yeah. 
which was a huge deal at the yeah. time. Even a lot of the budget, uh, like so, sprint car games and stuff, are all like running. Yeah, really just fast. random budget games, sixty mm, FPS, yeah. no problem. It was that was the standard, and it, that has never happened <laughs> since. Uh, so I love the PS2 for racing games, yeah, and there's a problem though. You want to play PS2 on a modern setup? <sighs> it's a little prickly. Uh, there's some tricks. So <laughs> this is the one more than any other system. I highly recommend getting a CRT yes. and a regular PS2 yep. because the look of those interlaced games on a CRT, I think they look super, super sharp yes. and beautiful. That's the way they're meant to be seen. Anything else just doesn't come close to really replicating that experience. You can't understand until you see it again with your own eyes. Like, how sharp it actually yes. is and one of the reasons is that most games on ps2 don't use a flicker filter this is what people used to call anti-aliasing but it really <laughs> wasn't ps2 ha has games that do this as well but essentially it was a way to sort of reduce interlace flicker and it's not just field rendering it can be with full frame buffer games too but there's no flicker filtering um i like that because it gives us this super raw ultra ultra sharp look uh like on xbox they force flicker filter yeah. and you can turn it off with the soft dash, mod, but... you can actually oh yeah yeah you can patch it out and i much prefer it that way on an sdtv on xbox it makes the games look a lot clearer yes. and sharper because flicker filter just kind of blurs the detail away mm. and even 480p on an xbox i think has this kind of murky look to it that i never quite liked like the support was there for better resolution but Xbox never the video output the encoder chip was bad compared to like say Dreamcast which puts it's out a much better signal. Clear, yeah. So with PS2 you got to get that CRT. Yeah. If you uh, if you can't though and you can uh, I'm, raising, the I'm, I'm, raising, I'm raising my hand. I can. I just yeah. dear listener, I'm not <laughs> I will not cotton your excuses. You have room. You do. <laughs> You do. Okay. I just, I just want to, I, I just want to say, like, I'm realizing, like, the reason that we never, like, because we, my family did have CRTs, but what we had was, we had all of the our consoles, especially during this time, six gen, plugged into one of those awful, gigantic rear projection, uh, like <gasps> Hitachi, and, and they were just terrible, and the, the look, the, the quality just degraded over time. And so because of that, we never had a good CRT. We just had this like oh, disintegrating no. mass. And all of the games I played on that looked looked horrendous. So I completely miss this era. Like I don't remember the PS2 being a pretty system, and that's honestly why. Yeah. yeah. It's that is why. Yeah. And that's so that's one of the problems. If you just try to hook up a PS2 to a modern screen, because a lot of the library is interlaced by default. Mm. Uh, it ends up looking really bad because they need good deinterlacing, which is where the RetroTINK 5X Pro comes in. Or FrameMeister if you're more old school, but yeah. the TINK 5X Pro, I think, is the way to go For now. Sure. And is so good at deinterlacing PS2 content that some games almost end up looking more like 480p now. Yeah, wow. the motion uh, adaptive so, deinterlacing on there is Yeah, it's really, super really nice. nice. Um, but there is another thing. If you mod your PS2... Uh, there's actually things you can do to to essentially a lot of games that were interlaced only are only interlaced in terms of their output, but internally they, they run at a full yeah. resolution and you can actually push them to be 480p and they will work. Oh. So it is actually possible to sort of uh, force 480p on PS2 games that did not support it. But if they were field rendered, which was true interlaced rendering, 
like Ridge Racer 5, you can't do that yeah. because it just ends up, uh, you lose half the resolution. It just looks really yeah. bad. And Ridge Racer 5, I've heard, is a really tough one to emulate too. It is. It is. Uh, PCSX2 on the PC still can't do it right in hardware oh, mode. There's like massive corruptions with texture rights and Namco did something really tricky with their texture system. The way they load textures, like it's not because it's such an early game, I guess. Uh, whatever they're doing, it just causes most emulators to just go nuts. It just doesn't work. It was a blue. That, it was a blue disc. That's what it was. They made it blue. It ruined. <laughs> oh yeah, everything. the blue disc. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> was that an X squad? It's causing everybody yeah. problems. <laughs> so that, that's why on the emulation front, though, I actually think there is no good PS2 emulation. PS, mm. PCX2 can do all right, and it's come a long way, yeah. and some people don't mind it, but I, I don't think it's actually a very good way to play PS2 games. Yeah, I had to capture a bunch of footage for a side project for Jeremy Blaustein about a year or two ago, and it involved digging into um, PCSX2 to capture some footage of Japanese games I didn't have a good way to capture from, long story short, since then I have right. enough Japanese PS2s, we're fine. But... At the time, it was just like, yeah, even trying to get like comparison shots of uh, like the um, the board from a wish DLC in Silent Hill 2 and running that in uh, software emulation and seeing the internal rendering resolution cranked up, but also like the way that it handles the grain and the particle effects and the like vertex lighting and the all of the weird fog stuff just felt so far Whoa. off from what that game is supposed mm -hmm. to look like. Um, and like, there are a lot yeah. of games I think uh, whose visual aesthetic can benefit from some of that. But um, generally mm -hmm. speaking, uh, PS2 is one of the last uh, consoles that like has a look to it, um, in a yeah. sense. And uh, for better or worse, like that's complicated things because yeah, almost the entire library is uh, limited to 480i. Most of them are limited to 4x3, um, natively at least. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, you have situations where like. Uh, I know, John, in your uh, Ridge Racer video, you talk about people complaining at the time about, like, the quote-unquote jaggies in Ridge Racer 5. Jaggies. But, like, I think that's weirdly helped that game age very gracefully because it's just yeah. razor sharp. It has. It's so pretty. It's so sharp. It's just so interesting how tastes have changed. That's what, when, I've wa when I was yeah. watching that video, John, that was, like, my the, the main thought in my head was, like, now we celebrate that look, right? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's why everybody was about filtering textures back then and just blurring yeah, the yeah. image as much as possible, right? Yeah. Like, that's what they wanted to do, and that's kind of changed since then. Mm -hmm. But the real trick, you know, those interlaced rendering modes on PS2 ended up being a huge positive, because even though it does reduce the overall output resolution, if you choose to use that mode, you're pretty much locked into 60 frames per second, yeah. right? So, as a result, most of, like... A huge percentage of the PS2's library is just by default 60 FPS because it's the easiest mode to use. Hmm. And so I, I've actually calculated this in the past. I don't remember the exact numbers, but like PS2 has, if you look at the percentage of overall library, that's the system with the highest number of 60 FPS games uh, up until the PS5 and Series X generation. Sure. That one actually is like dominating right now in terms of like 60 FPS just being everywhere, thankfully. <laughs> But PS2 is right up there, and it's it's absurd how much 60 you get. Yeah, and for the longest time, it's been very, very difficult to get a PS2 to play nicely um, with a modern display. Um, so that's one of those things yeah. where, like, you should just get a CRT, um, an SCCRT. But or if the you Tink 5X. Yeah, right, that's what I mean. It's like the retro Tink 5X is, like, 
perfectly suited for the PS2. Um, I almost bought one of those just for PS2 um, yep. because I don't really have any other need for it with the way my setup was all worked out. Um, the only reason I haven't is because I'm holding out to see how the um, Pixel FX uh, morph scaler turns out because I want to be able to use the PS2's uh, optical audio, um, which the E5X does not support. Um, I could just run it to my receiver in a different way and like yeah, yeah. play that, you know, uh, juggle game every time that I want to switch inputs. But anyway, uh, yeah, that is an excellent way um, to play PS2 games. I th did Mike Cheese say at some point, or did I just like dream this, that he was working on a specific uh, like PS2 only piece of hardware that would. No, that wasn't I... Mike Chi. That was uh, the uh, Dan and Kristoff. For um, that makes sense. They were working on a PS2 digital, but that got sidelined for the time being for other projects. Fair. I think they too were just dealing with the deinterlacing stuff, but I think yeah. they've got that figured out now for their other stuff. But there is no standalone PS2 solution just yet. Yeah, I've tried going. Shame. Uh, in the past, pre pre 5x, um, I've tried using my OSSC for that. Um, it's awful. All right, it's awful. Like, it's yeah, it's Bob the interlace only. Exactly, and it's uh, it can be kind of headache inducing. It makes me worry about <laughs> what it's doing to my TV to some extent, um, and also like I remember being all excited, getting all that hooked up, and be like, "All right, Valkyrie Profile Two is gonna look so good," and then finding out that it was only the Japanese release that was. 1080i or whatever, but uh, yeah, I, I just can't recommend using an OSSC for the PS2 because of just the way that that image is rendered. Even 480p games and like, you know, 1080i games like GT4 and Jackass I mean, the yeah. movie, the game and stuff is just exactly. weird. Like, <laughs> Supports 1080i? Wow. <laughs> yes, it does. That is one of the four TSCU games that runs 1080i. Oh my. The other one was Tourist Trophy too. Yep, half of yeah. them are half of them are polyphony digital titles. <laughs> yeah, shocker. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's I I gotta find the CRT. All right, this might be the thing that does it. Yeah, what? Dude, what happened to your Panasonic? Did that just like totally crap out on you? What happened? Uh, yeah, it just like well, the SVU didn't work. I'm telling you. And then like we had yeah. so many CRTs back in the day. I we just my family just threw them all out. Like I don't know, recycled You're them not all. Alone. Yeah. What can you do, right? Move back over here, cross cross coast. You can't swing a <laughs> stick out in Seattle without hitting a few CRTs laying around. Uh, I'll pay you a visit, and I'll come back with you know armfuls. Yeah, of take CRTs. it on the plane. Yeah, just make that your carry on. <laughs> just I've got a spare twenty four inch Trinitron in the garage. You can have just uh, wonderful. There I'll you let go. Your lap. Cool. All right. So what should we do next? Well, there's really only one should more we... to do, right? I mean, Xbox and GameCube, I guess, but. Yeah, one of those is much faster to go over than the other yeah we yeah. can just do xbox i don't think we the gamecube doesn't have a whole lot to talk about get a carby just get a carby and slap an yeah. hdmi cable yeah. in it you're gonna go yeah 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 all right so we could do a little xbox as well yeah yeah i know we're running pretty long here but i think that's definitely worth going over the xbox is another one that's had a lot of methods for getting different types of video out that have changed a number of times over the last like five years we we, yeah. we don't re you know if in the interest of time we don't really have to talk about uh games uh you probably know what they are but i will highlight <laughs> rally sport challenge excellent series and also toge yeah. r obviously uh, and R's and uh I mean, double steel 2 because we kept talking about that before this show 
<laughs> yeah, yeah double dude. steel 2 it's an impressive open world driving game sequel mm-hmm. to reckless the yakuza missions which is called double steel japan yeah, yeah. 720p open world city i was not prepared Amazing for graphics. how good that game actually does look in motion yeah. it's yeah. honestly staggering it's beautiful Yep. Um, Their lead programmer was a was a genius, yeah. just an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. But Xbox also had got to mention Volvo Drive for Life. If you haven't played y- that, you have to. It's I have, you know, I have not played that. I had a Volvo for a just, while. It's just the Volvo game. Yeah. It's all about Volvos. You cover that in your uh, GT video, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. And it, it was presented completely in uh, Swedish. Nice. In the native tongue. <laughs> Uh, it's narrated by <laughs> Ingmar Bergman. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Xbox, you know, PGR, Forza started there. Yeah, Apex. You know, Burnout games are on there. You got Blood Wake. Not that that's really racing, but I had to mention it. Uh, Hell yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned Rally Sport, classic, Great. phenomenal game. Uh, Need for Speeds on there. Yeah. Uh, much more stable than the PS2 hot- ports for most of those. <laughs> Yeah, Hot Pursuit 2 is not great. The closest yeah. that you'll get to Daytona USA 2 and Scud Race because they are in the first oh, yeah. version of OutRun 2 that Sumo ported. Yep. yep. Only on Xbox. But not in the follow-up. Right, right. That one that had more content, but other content. Yep. You didn't get that. Yeah. Which is a shame. What? It's just the courses. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the game, Andrew. It's, oh, okay. Gotcha, it's gotcha, it's gotcha, just gotcha. the courses, yeah. But, hey, I mean, it's it's something. Oh, it's, yeah. You could play Outrun 2 on those courses, yep. which was awesome. Yeah. You could also drop yeah. some more RAM in your Xbox and play the Sega Chihiro cabinet version of Outrun <laughs> that's 2. True. Yeah, That's true, the 128 mod. The handling mm-hmm. of Outrun 2 didn't really jibe with those games' courses, but it was, no, it, no, no. It was all right. Whatever, yeah. they're there. Yeah. You remember Group S Challenge from Capcom? I was weird. playing that game not three days ago. Oh, weird game. The, the, the weird, like, not yeah, quite so spiritual successor to Automodelista. That game feels oh. very strange. So, Xbox then. Xbox was known for it was a system that almost everything ran in 480p. Just at least, uh, at least some were up to 720p. You had some 1080 games in there. It was an impressive, impressive piece of hardware. The most powerful machine of that generation by far. Uh, and it was a good platform for racing games. I think it was only the Western side did amazing on racing, but obviously seeing that. It didn't really succeed in Japan. There's not a lot no. from Japan other than like the double steel second class, the two double steel games plus Toge R. You know, yeah. and Sega GT, of course, 2002 is I, good. And Sega GT Online I, as well is. I fantastic. do want to bring up very quickly, if we can, Andrew, we were talking about this how Sega GT Online has some 720p mode like only some modes in the game work in 720p and even i I think some cameras in the replay mode work in 720p but others don't it is maddening so i tested (laughs) this um uh i just had my uh the xbox hd plus mod from uh make megahertz uh crystal lee installed that for me in there so i've been just testing everything because seeing original xbox games coming out pure Digital signal over HDMI is glorious. Um, we'll get to that in a moment, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, so the, the first thing that I tested was, uh, well, Enter the Matrix. But the second thing that I tested was Sega <laughs> GT Online. Um, actually, that's not true. The second thing was Driver 3. But the third thing that I tested uh, was uh, Sega GT Online. And yeah, so most of that game is 16 by 9 480i, it seems. <laughs> um, like I was still seeing Interflate. Uh, man, I can't even talk. Uh, interlacing artifacts 
um, in motion and stuff. Uh, and a lot of like, again, go, the flicker filter in there because I forgot to go turn that off. Super first. blurry looking game. It's extremely it blurry. It looks awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. Like much more so than 2002 even, I think. Um, huh. Yeah. But yeah, anytime there's a mode with a single car on the track, like a time trial, it is a uh, Soul Calibur 2 situation where it's 720p, but only in 4x3. 4x3. Yeah. Yeah, just a weird, just a weird experience I recently had not long ago. I thought we needed to bring up. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of different ways. Like, I think you have a lot of options at the Xbox, and I think it can play very nicely with modern uh, living rooms, with modern home theater setups yeah, and all that. more so than most others. Yes. Um, it does have kind of a weird analog video output. Like, the contrast is strangely kind of blown out. Like, the black levels are way too high. Um again with the flicker filtering like it can look very soft um it's also kind of noisy like yep. just the video encoder chips on the xbox are pretty bad it's overall so you kind of a noisy ugly output which is a shame because the hardware can obviously do a lot <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 not literally a geforce 3 in there but it's you know similar enough that exactly yeah, yeah per pixel uh lighting effects not like there's it's just so much cool stuff that the hardware can do and it just Getting it to uh, look the way that it should can be weird. Um, but this but, is yeah. the case, if I may say so, where you're really going to want to chase like an Xbox console and figure those methods out because emulation is not a thing, really. Uh, I mean, I've XMU tried. It's gotten really good. Like, you can finally play Jet Set Radio Future at 4K60 now. You can't um, play Sega GT at all. I'm just saying. Like, I, yeah, that's still... Uh, I've, had, know, I've that's, had a really still, rough yeah, time with a lot tanks. of games. So. I tried that as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, it's it's coming along, but I would yeah. say it's not in a good spot right now yeah. yet. Yeah, I mean, like, you can... <laughs> that's that's a more approachable way to play something like Magatama. Like, there's a lot of really cool, um, like, <laughs> uh, Japanese-made exclusives on the Xbox, but almost sure. none of them are racing games, so that's not yeah. necessarily within the scope of this podcast. But, um, yeah, so for a long time, it was like, okay, go out and get the first-party uh, Microsoft, like, HD AV pack. There's a little dongle that goes into the port in the back of the Xbox, and mm -hmm. you plug in your own component cables and... Uh, uh, as like a tossing port for uh, optical audio because the Xbox uh, natively supports Dolby Digital 5.1, so like actual proper discrete digital surround sound. Whereas um, you know PS2 and GameCube, you're getting ProLogic 2, which is still good. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there's surround sound options for games going as far back as the Super Nintendo. Like there's that's a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of 3DO games, etc. Anyway. Yep. Um, yep. yep. So that that is also part of why I think that thing uh, plays very nicely with modern setups is if you have any kind of uh, surround situation um, with your speaker configuration in there, it's uh, it folds in nicely. But there have been uh, a lot of kind of I don't want to say Herculean efforts necessarily, but it feels that way to me emotionally um, <laughs> in terms of uh, people making stuff. <laughs> you plug into the back of your Xbox so that you don't have to go track down uh, an old HDAV pack or that old like set of monster cables that people are using for a long time. Um, and uh, like I think so. The first thing that I got um, Man, monster cables. God, you're right. <laughs> like that was the thing that I saw recommended so often because it got to the point where the HDAV pack was near impossible to find because they didn't make a ton of them. Um, and then there's another version of it that's just s video out that 
people got confused with a lot. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. Yeah. But Monster had their like really well shielded component cables that were comically overpriced because of course they were. Um, but they did also have a toss link out. So if you wanted, you know, your surround sound, that's how you had to do it. Um, the first thing that I got that was not just purely analog video out like it got to the point where tvs just stopped having component inputs right like sure. for the most part yep. um my lg b9 has a composite input for whatever reason on the back of it but other than that it's all hdmi 2.1 ability right yeah <laughs> um so if you have a relatively newer tv that's probably not an option um without using some kind of scaler nope. or something uh chimeric systems which i think is just one dude um has been like hand making uh these little um it's another dongle basically that goes into the AV multi-out port on the back of the Xbox and uh, it's a little uh, AD converter that just collects all that and spits it out in HDMI. Um, it is doing some weird like color space conversion and stuff in there. It is not super accurate to what's actually being rendered, but it's pretty good, I would say. Um, I was quite happy with it for a long time um, until getting this uh, most recent mod with the to make megahertz well, the, like native hdmi the big thing about the chimeric one though is that it brings the digital optical audio yes. into the hdmi yes so you it can surround through over hdmi yeah i think it's the only one that does that the one that i'm aware of yeah um and yeah that's what i used for a long time and again it's not necessarily perfect it's got some weird like color tinting and like almost banding happening yeah. depending on what it's doing um like again to go back to sega gt 2002 and online a lot of the like very dramatic blown out sunsets that you're driving into in a lot of those tracks um forza one has a few of those as well like maple yeah. valley heights whatever it's called and yep, yep um you'll start to see a lot of weird banding that's not there otherwise just because of the i have i don't have the vocabulary to tell you what it's doing in the ad conversion but uh <laughs> something is happening that is making it green <laughs> um but uh yeah, overall, though, I think that is a great option if you can get a hold of one of those because, again, I think it is just one dude making those, like, basically by hand at home. Um, so it's kind of a waiting list sort of situation. Um, but they're not too expensive. I think, like, 40 or 50 bucks. Yeah, um, they're very reasonable. Nice. Yeah, um, whereas the Make Megahertz mod is a little more expensive and also you really need to know someone who knows what they're doing or be someone who knows what they're doing to get that thing installed because it is not simple. I I haven't tested it myself. Does that one also do 1080p kind of output with like proper pixel scaling? Kind of like the the DC digital. That's a you know, PS1 digital. That's a Bob Neal question. Um a lot of the settings for that are down in the cuz to be able to use it you have to install a, a mod chip. You have to hardware mod that thing. Um, right. and it has its own, uh, like kernels that you can dig into. So you have to go into the file explorer and then go into your E drive and find the specific like Xbox HD plus dot, uh, XBE, I think is the executable files on Xbox, um, run right, that. Right. And then it opens up a separate window where you can start splitting all that up, but it's not much more in depth than the original Xbox's menu of just like enabling or disabling different resolutions um, or I aspect see, ratios or audio formats. Um, there's a little bit more there, but it's not a lot. Other than that, it's like, yeah, how do you want to handle the flicker filter in your, you know, the, the normal soft mod menu? Um, if there is more there, I haven't found it, um, but I am 
very happy with how it looks regardless. I've been playing a lot of Midnight Club 3 on that the last couple of weeks after that last time I extend episode. Nice. And I realized, because um, I looked it up after that because I've had 2 and 3 on PS2 for a long time. Uh, but uh, that was another case of inconsistent frame rates making me kind of carsick. Um, mm. So I couldn't really yeah, play them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I looked it up and I found some old... Okay, I'm not going to name the uh, the outlet uh, on here, <laughs> but some of... Let's say uh, a large video game coverage website of the 2000s uh, that was doing those things head to head. It was not Eurogamer, don't worry. Um, but they were like, yeah, the Xbox version of Midnight Club 3 Dub Edition Remix runs at uh, like flawless 480p 60. No, it does not. No, it does not. That game runs at like 25. But uh, it's the same. I, I still see that with so many old reviews. Yeah. Like when Sonic Adventure first came out, <laughs> magazines raving 60 FPS and like it's glorious. And it's like, no, it's not. No. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, it's uh so I was a little let down when I realized that was not the case. Um but uh it does run much more consistently at least. It doesn't drop nearly as precipitously as the PS2 port and so I've been having Have you all played the PSP it. version of Midnight Club 3? I have. Pretty impressive. Yes. It's kind of insane it is, that it works. I at don't all. understand yeah. how they fit all of that game onto a UMD. <laughs> The one thing I was going to say about Xbox is I'm really sad that all of the work that Microsoft has done with a lot of uh, those backwards compatibility yeah. titles on uh, Xbox uh, One and then, of course, Series uh, S and X, something that never really touched the racing genre just because the licenses make it impossible. So, yeah. I mean, how great would it be to play games like Rally Sport, um, PGR2, oh, PGR2 especially because PGR2 dropped to Dude, 30 yeah. FPS and it's a great game, but it, it doesn't have that feeling of immediacy as PGR1 does. It's it's a real shame that like they couldn't do that same work on, on racing games. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, that's the PGR drop in frame rate always bothered me because PGR160, then two, they went to 30, and then they teased three for Xbox 360. All the early trailers were 60 FPS. And then the game shipped at 30. And it's just like, what a bummer. I feel like that was happening a lot in the early 360 days. Yeah. I'm weirdly forgiving about 30 FPS in racing games if they're good enough. So, I don't know. If you have good motion blur, I can deal with 30. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It kind of depends on how twitchy the game is, really. I feel like that's a pretty good summary. I mean... We're kind of out of time, yes. so no GameCube yeah. so much. I mean, GameCube <laughs> has some simple HDMI plug-and-play solutions. Although, before we go, we should talk about one more system from that era, uh, the new one. <laughs> I was just going to so say that as the, a joke. The, Damn it, John. <laughs> oh, no. Great minds and all that. Well, the new one, it has one very famous racing game, the sequel to Atari Jaguar's seminal Atari Carts. It is Merlin Racing. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. What is this? How do you spell this? <laughs> Uh, N U O N. It's a DVD what? player. Merlin Racing. Oh my god! And prepare. You can enjoy Merlin Racing. It looks like an N sixty four game. Racing. It's a kart racing. It's basically the effective sequel to Atari Karts. Oh jeez, I've never heard of this platform before. I've never heard of any of this. This is. Yeah, this I is mean, wonderful. it's another case of someone trying to like democratize the hardware aspect of game systems yeah. of just being okay. like, it's, you know, doing the the Trip Hawkins move of just like creating a standard and be like, ah, whoever wants to manufacture this, go for it. I don't know. It looks uh, like Crash Team Racing to me. So, <laughs> so yeah, this system, it's, it's a DVD player. It was basically DVD players that could support games as well. And the big expense of that, getting into that is the controllers because the little chip you need to do it was like, it's very rare because not many controllers were sold. So uh, somebody's been like, 
I don't know if they completed the project, but had to essentially re-engineer it to create new controllers. I love humanity. So it's, <laughs> it's it's a wild thing. But yes, the new on I a, a dude here in Germany actually uh, Nick he made a giant uh, rotating dial for playing Tempest three thousand on the new on with this giant oh, custom glorious. RGB LED <laughs> like rotating dial made of metal just for the new on. It's incredible. Yeah, there are ways to do these things. Um, they can be complicated. They can be expensive. It kind of just depends on how deep you want to go with it. Um, you can get very, very granular with these things if you want to. Um, and I do because I'm hopelessly broken. Um, but it's also a lot of fun. I don't know. I, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> if you have the means, we highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. How do we pick one up? Um, um. But yeah, so 360 emulation for a lot of original Xbox games is an option as well. Sometimes it's uh, accurate. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it is dramatically worse. Some, sometimes it's really uh, bad. PGR2 has like no like music, depending on the mode you're in. It's, yeah. it's rough. Um, over half of yeah, Jet Set yeah. Radio Future is uh, single digit frame rates on mm -hmm. 360. I completed it that way during the most maybe depressive oh. episode of my life just to see mm -hmm. if I could. Um, don't do that. It's bad. Don't do that. It's, bad. it's yeah. Um, yeah, it's at the point where I forget that 360 was backwards compatible because I just don't trust it. Um, ever since even, seeing I the sky, even use the words backwards compatible. <laughs> it's like yeah. <laughs> ever since seeing the sky in Assault on the Control Room and Halo, and be like, nah, that's not that dog ain't gonna hunt. <laughs> <laughs> the way that skybox is all oh, man. blacked out and broken. Mm. Anyway, all right. Well, okay. Well, I don't know yeah. how helpful this actually was or was not. But oh, uh, I think I think it was extremely helpful, and I always like. A, I'm so happy. I'm so happy both of you guys took the time. Um, this was awesome conversation. I learned a lot, so I'm sure I'm sure the listeners will as well. Um, I guess before before we go out, plugs. Uh, John, you you go first because you're you're working on the most stuff, uh, obviously. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess in terms of videos, yeah. So you can find my stuff over at YouTube.com/slash/DigitalFoundry. We have a Patreon now, which uh, an awesome community on our Discord over there. You can find that. We are both members. Uh, uh, that's so. right. That's very that's that's very awesome <laughs> to have you guys there. It's been a lot of fun, actually, having everybody kind of in one one place under one roof. And I've been doing a lot more DF retro lately yeah. as a result, which is uh, maybe appealing to folks that listen to this show. Yeah, hopefully. for sure. Yeah, if you if you haven't go watch if you haven't watched the Gran Turismo also. Um, the Mother Storm was another recent oh, one. Yeah. That, that was a great video. PS so. Triple. Yep. <laughs> the PS Triple. The year of the triple. Ain't <laughs> talking about that Wii. <laughs> no. We, I don't want to play no games with no deal, though. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Man. Timeless. Uh, Timeless classic yes, cinema. It is. It's Kino. Yeah, so go check out Digital Foundry, uh, obviously, and and Andrew, you got you got anything going on? Anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to share? I I don't know, man. I right. I had a bunch of recent game adjacent music almost ready to go, but frankly, it has been entirely too damn hot in this room uh, to hmm. make anything. Uh, oh, so uh, no idea when that stuff's coming out at this point. I mean, let's just What's say up? if you haven't heard either Real Racing Roots. Uh, 2019 or uh, Digital Motorsport. Uh, go check those out. They're fantastic collections of music yeah, that will complement the best racing games in the perfect way. 
So, and if you're playing racing games on Xbox, you can throw those on the hard drive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, custom good. soundtrack. There you go. Custom soundtracks. Mm, man, <laughs> so good. What a feature. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's probably all I got. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Well, yes, uh, this has been Time Extend. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. As as always, just plug at the end. You could. We have a. Uh, discord you can find us at time underscore extend on twitter and then from there just shoot us a link if you want to uh, join our community where we talk about racing games and all these fun things um so yeah thank you again guys for uh for joining me and this was an awesome show and to the listeners you'll uh, hear from us again soon thanks stay retro (laughs) (laughs) i can't take that i can't That was a fun one, right? I hope you enjoyed it because I certainly did. Quick note at the end of the episode, Andrew forgot to mention something. He recently contributed to a song on the new Ridge Racer Infinity album done by a musician by the name of ROBKTA. He's a member of the Time Extend community and put together a really awesome collection of covers and remixes of classic Ridge Racer tunes that we know that you'll enjoy because you listen to this show. It's live on all major streaming platforms, and of course, if you want to support the artist, you can buy it from Bandcamp. Uh, The next Bandcamp Friday is October 7th, my sources tell me. Anyway, we thought it would be fun to go out with a little teaser of one of my favorite tracks on the album, which has to be the cover of Disco Ball. It goes so hard, and I love Disco Ball. It's one of my favorite Ridge Racer songs, but this remix might actually beat the original. That's how much I like it. Anyway, hope you enjoy it, and thanks again for listening. Mm